they even had a little, you know, breakfast organised at the town hall. Come into Ooh. the town hall, cup of tea, have a coffee. Someone was pouring caps of, you know, an old time was pouring caps of Captain Morgan's spice rum into people's tea and coffee. They wanted to, I was like, what's going on here? What the, where am I? What we do here is go back, 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 back. Coming to you uh, from uh, regular broadcasting slash recording time. Uh, it's just just gone three forty here on a uh, Thursday afternoon. I'm recording in Wellington. Matt's in Auckland, as is standard procedure for us here on the Bros and Brews podcast. A uh, a by city show. That's uh, that's one more city than most podcasts. I mean, if that's not a reason to listen, True. I don't know what is. True. Um, and and if we're back with anything. We're back with Brulette hey. into week six of this, our desperate attempt to uh, drink the same New Zealand craft beer by pure chance and diminishing, <laughs> diminishing probability, increasing probability. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a bit of both, isn't it? <laughs> I guess the probability of it happening is getting is, more is likely. increasing, yes, as we continue to go through. But, but our hopes of it happening is diminishing. No, 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 it, no. It, it, well, yeah, questionable. Mm. But the side tangent, we'll this isn't my question for the week. Don't <laughs> yep, you just yep. find that the older you get, the more you realise how we just forget all the maths we're taught in school. Oh, yeah. Anytime because, it comes yeah. to a TV show or a movie, yep. there's a maths mm-hmm. class scene, you're just like, how, it just, <laughs> our body just doesn't, just doesn't absorb maths information. No. I can't even figure out. There's one thing where, like, I don't know, I always need to calculate, like, divide to figure out the percentage, and I never know where I'm, like, timesing by 0.18 or dividing oh, by, you. like, 0.... I mean, how do we do it in school, man? Because even yeah. now, uh, well, just the brain because, doesn't want we to were do in it. Maths. Yeah, yeah well, because, you know, our, our brain can only hold so much, so it makes space for the new things that we're learning. So our time in school, it's like we are on that all the time. But we're just not... It's just not... I don't know, as important, I guess. And like you said, we have calculators. Everything's, you know, being done for us. Yeah, I probably have a scientific calculator sitting around somewhere. Picking I mean, up there's dust. one on your phone. Not a scientific calculator? Well, I mean, oh, I'm sure they're around. Scientific calculator was the, the first. And then graphics was the one where you could, like, like map stuff, eh? And in exams, they'd make you... Sort of uh, reset oof. it to zero because you could store quite complex information. Yeah, I don't know. It's already hurting my brain. It is. To recap, <laughs> maths not good. Not good. Um, but we are. What is good is is New Zealand craft beer, and it is yes. week six of Brulette. Um, if you're late to the party and you've got no idea what's going on, well, you've got five more episodes to listen up. But the long and the short is, <laughs> Matt and I individually over the week have gone to a, a New Zealand supermarket purchased uh a a single can of of beer in the hope that one day just by chance we will select the same one uh as we've done five weeks that means there are 10 beers off the board so slowly the pool is decreasing whether new zealand craft beer breweries are brewing and stocking more beers faster than we can drink them is yet to be uh figured out and probably never will be but we're hoping we're hoping the pool is getting small well i keep on seeing new beers every week 
I know, I know, I know. Ah, well, uh, we, we will play the game anyway. Oh, of course, uh, definitely. Uh, well, because someone out there is going to be lucky in the end, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, let's dive into it, man. Yep. After the count of three, uh, let's both say the style of beer that we have selected for this week. Okay. Three, two, one. West Pilsner. Coast IPA. That is a fail. Another word for it. Another. All right, what um, are you drinking? I'm drinking the Juice Head Brewery, New Zealand Pilsner Fusion. Juicehead is a brewery out in Waikanae, um, which is closer to Wellington than it is to Auckland for people who don't know New Zealand's geography. I do wonder if Juicehead is all the way in Auckland. Definitely a smaller brewery, but I must say, and you were Schaefer's, there was at least six or seven different varieties, so it wasn't just, uh-huh. you know, I took a while to pick. Um, yeah, we haven't had a Pilsner on the show yet, and as I was going through the varying beers that we've done over the last five weeks i wanted to try and pick something um a bit different and we haven't done a pilsner in a while so that's why i picked the uh juice head fusion and yourself nice. sir uh so yeah i've got the west coast ipa uh it is called rocket ix uh if you're saying it in uh dutch it's ix or ajax if they've also chosen to for it to be that way um uh, but yeah the, the rocket rocket ix it's a garage project Right, um, I was, yes. was going to ask you about the, yeah. the brewery. Now, yeah, now I know we've already had a, a garage project, but once again, Auckland supermarkets really not like Schaefer's. Uh, so yeah, I was uh, I was contemplating up and down, but yes, I, I like the look of this. I, I went a bit visual and being like, oh, here, Mike, that it kind of stands out a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, anyway, West Coast IPA, West Coast IPA. I'm I, I got to say, it is another four forty um, can. And uh, it's uh, a lot more standards than the last one. I mean, it's it's birthday week still. Birthday so week. you got to treat yeah, yourself. Exactly. Let's crack them open. Oh, I very dangerously opened it on top of my notes. And I should say, a Ooh. lot of notes for this week. Uh, <laughs> a couple of drips, I think, the notes we spared generally. Nice. Uh, first thought, cheers. cheers. Oh, ooh. That's a... That's a, oh, he's gone straight back in. He's gone straight back in for Sorry, I sip. always do. You I always say first. You, you say first sip, and then I always take a second sip. Um, yeah, that's uh, very nice. IPA uh, Garage Project have a lot of doubles. Uh, it's not quite that obviously, but it's definitely on the hoppier side. Um, uh, with some lovely, lovely citrus undertones. It's it is quite nice. I must say, not quite mm-hmm. a not a hazy, um, but I do like it. I do like it. Uh, yeah, I'm en- enjoying enjoying mine. I don't know why I didn't sound hmm. sound so questionable about it. <laughs> am I um, enjoying, enjoying? Am I enjoying it? it? No, I am enjoying it. As I was staring at the beers at Schaefer's, I was like, I'm trying to think about what it is that makes Pilsner taste the way it is. Not from a brewing hops technical perspective, but a, but if you gave me a Pilsner versus an IPA, would I be able to, to pick it out? Um, uh, which I which you. I. I guess would lead me into lead me into something else. But before I go into that, um, how are you how are you enjoying and yours? But how am I? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Sorry, I, I, I just I went away with the fairies there because I'm thinking about wine. But uh, you're thinking uh, about me, wine. Is that where, yeah, is that where the Pilsner took you to? Thinking yeah, about wine. Well, not so much. But but yeah, it's, you you're just thinking you of speak, bigger things, speak, aren't you? Speak to speak to the people where I think of wine and segways. <laughs> 
no, 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 no. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Um, how are you doing? How's your, how's your, how's your week been? It's been good. Um, I now realise that you'd already given your first thoughts. I did the oh, yeah, classic no, error of going yeah. back to you. That's uh, what I thought the away with the fairies was. I was away with the fairies, and I caught you off guard because I saw you not expecting quite fairly <laughs> another me to come back to you. Um, <laughs> let's pretend the last minute didn't happen. Um, mm, it definitely happened. Where I was going with uh, with my thoughts was. And to answer your question very well, oh, uh, I had yes. a really nice uh, Anzac weekend, was away in Montbrough for Saturday night with Fran and, uh, and some of her friends, um, my friends too by association, but people she knows better than mm-hmm. better than me. Um, and yeah, on the Saturday afternoon, we did a little bit of wine tasting as is Ooh. classic in, in Martinborough for people not from New Zealand. Um, Martinborough is about an hour's drive for Wellington and kind of a New Zealand wine region. And the sort of standard thing to do is go to, go to Martinborough, rent some bikes, bike around the wineries, do some tastings. Um, and yeah, we had a really good time on Saturday afternoon. We were on a bit of a clock, so we, we were trying to get around a few places and you do end up balancing the, well, let's, let's taste what the, the vineyards have to offer. And also, um let's enjoy the alcohol before these things close. So there was a bit of balancing there, but that was, that was why I was thinking about the Pilsner and can you actually distinguish a Pilsner having tasted quite a lot of wines in a small period of time. And I feel like yep. when you do that in that period, you think, Oh yeah, now I can tell a Pinot Gris from a Chardonnay, from, from a <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc. And I'm sure if we went and we did a craft beer tasting, we would be, we'd feel pretty confident after that. But then, a week later, mm, our palates true. would probably return to the normal state. But but to answer your question, really well. The weekend was great. Um, was in Martinborough for Anzac Day itself. Went to the dawn service. Nice. On the Sunday. And yeah, really bizarre dawn service. I've been to small town uh, dawn services before. This isn't the first time I've been outside a big city centre. But it was just strange because quite a lot of people turned up. I mean, Anzac services last year were cancelled because of covid and i would have said there were at least 200 people there in, in marnborough um quite a, quite a lot and you know there was an eight to 12 piece pipe band that piped the parade and the parade went to the to the memorial and all the people were crowding i was like oh wow marnborough really sort of turning out but the long and, and the short of the weirdness was there was no last post no line uh, no line trumpeter uh-huh. no line bugle and just that's, no last post played part. at all. Exactly, right? Exactly. And I felt... As, I felt, as, as bad as that may sound, but... Well, you know, it's, it not, is, it's 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 uh, When you think of Anzac Day, you, you do. You kind of do think of the last post and, yeah, and what yeah. this is and does for the whole ceremony. Yeah. And the last post always always hits me. And in recent years, it's uh, often sh- shed a quiet tear mm. during. The music mm. really, really gets me the goosebumps. And there was something so disappointing about there being no last post and hey look i can't play trumpet or a bugle and i'm sure there aren't that many people around the country but that, that could play the last post but i just thought it was strange to have so many other things well organized i mean they even had a little you know breakfast organized at the town hall come into Ooh. the town hall cup of tea have a coffee someone was pouring caps of 
you know, an old timer was pouring caps of Captain Morgan's spice rum into people's tea and coffee that wanted it. I was like, what's going on here? What the, where am I? Bacon egg pie, homemade bacon egg pie. There were oh, savouries. Yum. I was mm. like, how have you put so much effort into organising all this other stuff and there's no last there's post? There's no last post. This is a disgrace. Just, yeah. Priorities, just, priorities. Yeah, priorities. But, yeah. Uh, Anzac Dawn service uh, in Martinborough was nice. Nice long weekend. Cool. And otherwise, yeah, the, the week has been well. How about you, sir? Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, after um, last week's episode, um, I went with uh, my friend Eddie once again. And we went and saw um, Mrs. Krishna's Dairy, which is Indian Inc. Um, show. Uh, uh, we saw that, yeah, last Friday. And it was amazing. So good. I've um, I've seen Krishna's Dairy. Um I believe was it was it Mrs. Krishna's party? It might have been Mrs. Krishna's party. We went and saw it. See the party or dairy? But the reason is because it's Indian Ink Company. They also did Krishna's dairy, which I have also seen before. Um, and yeah, and so yeah, this one was. I believe that they were all actually touring it in America before COVID happened last year. Um, and yeah, it's back home now. And it was great. It was it was absolutely amazing. Re- really welcoming. A lot of audience interaction. You know, we were taken into the show as as a party of um, on, um onam, which is I believe an Indian festival uh, celebration. And yeah, uh, it was so cool. You know, the character was a part time DJ, so he was playing music. We all got up as an audience and started dancing around, and we were passing each other out. They cooked a curry on stage which was amazing because at the end of the show, after after the bows, um, everyone was invited to stay and have a little bit of the curry, which, wow. people, which people from the audience made with the characters on stage. It was amazing. It was it was such a cool experience. It was so fun, um, but it had its it had its moments. Um, really good flow to it, but it was it was uh, just very exciting. So very good show. Um, if uh, if you ever see any Indian Ink Company uh, shows popping up or you know new renditions of things, definitely go um, have a look and give it. It's just a lot of fun. I love those shows so much. Um, uh, or went to twenty first as well during the weekend. Um, unfortunately went very long into the night so I was not up for the dawn service even though I probably could have potentially stayed up and gone to the dawn service was one of those nights Um, so it was very fun in town in Auckland town Um, but it was Anzac Day so everything was also closing it was one of those because everything closed at midnight but the bar we were at was open specifically for this so they stayed open a little bit more naughty naughty potentially Um, but it was really good really good night Um, and then yeah and then it was my birthday on Tuesday as we talked about last episode Um, the big 26 and yeah honestly uh, we had this discussion I'm not too fussed didn't do anything apart from I went out with my mum which was really lovely for dinner Um, and then on my birthday day uh, we had a lamb roast uh, with my cousin and, and his and her, his partner, which was all I wanted. It's it's really all I wanted. Um, so yeah, it was really nice. It was a good week, nice and chill. But it really had its moments of going out and doing things, which has uh, been the thing I've been wanting to fulfil and do in my weeks is is get out and do more stuff and get a bit loose and see things. So it was nice. It was yeah, nice. nice. I rate the um the having a social event within a few days of your birthday. But it not exactly. being your birthday event, yep. so you don't mm-hmm. have to have any of hostering responsibility or the sort of birthday responsibility. <laughs> but yep. it's close yep. enough that you can go like, 
oh, well, I can justify uh, yeah, exactly. spending money at this event, especially <laughs> seeing as I'm not doing anything on my day. So <laughs> I, I tip my cap to you, sir, and you. see you playing the system for all it's worth. That's <laughs> <laughs> it it, exactly what I was thinking the whole entire time. And I told people, I was like, that's actually my birthday on Tuesday. And it's like, yeah, it's good. I can celebrate this. But also at the same time, like you said, justify, you know, partying it up for mine. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a very good week. I'm going to ask you a real quick question. Again, my second not question time question of the week. And <laughs> yeah. maybe depending on our, the length of answers, this might become the question of the week and I might abandon my planned one. But I can try to do a quick. Can you give me a real quick and justified, if you want, breakdown of your preferred day of the week birthday order? Like preferred... You- so I'll go through mine and uh, yes. give you some time to think about mm-hmm. it. I think a Saturday birthday is overrated. I think there's a lot of pressure to do a lot during the day. Yeah. Uh, I would almost put it as my least favorite day to have a birthday on. Mm-hmm. Probably followed by a Monday and then Tuesday um, because just being at the start of the week, it's it's you know it's hard to lead on to it. I think Sunday is really good because I think you can go out on a Friday or a Saturday or both have quite a nice weekend and then you get around to the Sunday and you've done all the social stuff yep. and then it's your birthday and you can mm-hmm. actually chill out and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Likewise, I think a Friday I quite enjoy because I like doing my normal routine on my birthday day, just your normal day, but it's your birthday. Justify maybe a slightly nicer lunch or if you've got colleagues, <laughs> they'll, they'll, you know, spending your birthday in and around your normal environment, I don't mind that much. And then it's the weekend, so yep. you kind of flow on from that. Um, and then I suppose Wednesday and Thursday are, are somewhere in, in the middle. So I guess my preference would go Sunday, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Saturday, with Saturday being being the last. Yep, that's that sounds pretty much exactly what i was thinking when you started talking about it yeah saturday saturday birthdays meh but i think i'm exactly the same as you sunday and fridays have that feel about it because if it's on a friday you can have something on at night time everyone's done with work wanting to do something kind of thing but then you also run the re- the risk of everyone being tired on a friday as well mm-hmm. um but then that's the thing i like about sunday as you said if people have the energy to potentially go out on saturday but then in saying that do i want to hang over on my birthday true true mm, that's another thing to think about but no sundays as well i think I, I would do that i'd have a party friday night and then celebrate it on sunday and then that way i can do things sunday a little bit more pressure off and then get into next week so yeah i, I would say yeah pretty much the same as you Su- sunday friday um yeah when wednesday tuesday monday saturday yeah, I would I would be exactly the same because I totally know what you mean. But yeah, I don't think I want to have no matter what I do, I don't want to hang over on my birthday. Yes, yeah. it's either it either is my birthday and I'm going into the next day. It's no longer my birthday. That's fine with me. Or there's a day in between. Yeah, because I think my reasoning for the question is so often people go, "Yes, birthday on a Saturday," or you know, I can do so much, and I, I never think it's quite as enjoyable as people will will think it will be and i Mm, mm. i think my birthday recently was maybe on a tuesday but i remember a few years ago i had a birthday on a sunday and things just went out really well 
like I must have gone out on a Saturday, so had that social thing. Saturday maybe went out for dinner or hung out or, or did some social stuff but wasn't hung over for the Sunday. And the Sunday came around and I was like, sweet. It's my birthday. I've <laughs> yeah. done everything. And yeah. now I can just, just, just chill out. Um, next year you've got Wednesday to look forward to. Because I don't think Leap Year is oh next year, is it? Because uh, that's, you, you know, we you end up skipping a birthday day every four years. I get you. I don't think it is. If I'm right, the leap years are the multiples of 8, 12, 16, 20. Yep, you're correct. Yep. Wednesday. Cool. Wednesday next year. And for me, I cannot be bothered figuring out what it will be. But it's definitely a weekday. Probably probably Wednesday, I think. But anyway, I was just curious to, to see if you felt strongly about about the, the Tuesday birthday day compared to... Any yeah, well, days. I guess because I don't have any real big life commitments at the moment, it, it, any day's a all right day. It just depends on everyone else. <laughs> True. You can just rock up on a Monday morning if you want to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not that we encourage that necessarily. No, no, no but we not did that I'm through, doing it. We did get through it quickly. So I will ask you my actual yes, question. Yes, yes, yes. Question for the week. And that question comes from uh, the short walk from my... Uh, place of living to the recording studio where we record this um, as I like to embellish it and call it such um, and I was thinking about the fact I mean we, we've it's not a surprise we've we've made it pretty clear that this week's episode is going to be the Oscars special mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and that had me thinking Oscars was in my head and then I thought Oscar I wonder if anyone called Oscars ever won an Oscar and that got me on to thinking about names and names of kids and the process of having children and and calling them something and and obviously this is a bit of a throwback to i think our third episode where we talked about the ethics of having children um but i wanted to ask you in a world where you have a hypothetical child say Mm -hmm. even perhaps two hypothetical children are you how to formulate this question what would you name your kids at this stage, I guess is my question. Mm-hmm. And and to give you some more leaning points, are you likely to be a, I'll say, generic name person? James is a generic name. Matt's a generic name. Doesn't mean they aren't great names, but something within sort of traditional English uh, naming. Do you think there's a chance that you might be inclined to name children based on fictional characters? Like, I don't know, people call have Boomin Daenerys and Tyrion, you know, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and Harry yeah, Potter yeah. based namings. Would you be inclined to do something from a fictional series that perhaps you liked or names from Greek mythology or, you know, famous sports stars? This was also part of what motivated the question is I made coffee for a family on Saturday and I'm pretty sure the dad had called one of his sons LeBron. And uh. that just twigged, it twigged my ear because I went, oh, bold son naming yeah true it's, it's obviously to to. going to be uh, unless you know nothing about basketball <laughs> whenever this person meets anyone being called lebron that will be everyone's first thought will always be oh like lebron james yeah and I, yep, yeah yep. i just went that's a bold name for your kid um but yeah i was just interested in your thoughts of within the hypothetical world of having kids and then naming them obviously male and female um any thoughts are there any names that you've stored along the years and you go oh i quite like that name or yeah yeah. um yeah i I would i definitely want to go with like a non-gender kind of thing Mm -hmm. in the sense of like a jordan 
you know, yes. Jordan can go both ways um, or any way it wants to. Um, but yeah, definitely something like that. Like, um, I really, I mean, I may have talked to other people about this before, um, but I really like uh, Jasper. Jasper. Yeah, Jasper. And I feel like it can go either way as well. And, you know, if if my child does identify as a female or a woman, then I feel like Jasper's kind of a, I don't know, a different kind of name in that way, not, not your generic kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, to be honest, haven't thought about it in quite a long time, so I can't think of any of the other names. Um, but yeah, I'd want it to be like a, yeah, like a, you know, a kind of a Jesse or a, or a Jordan. They're Sam, both Kelly, another two mm, that's sort of mm. coming, coming to mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I also really like my middle name Junior as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of almost want to start using that for myself, uh, but I'm not entirely sure yet. <laughs> and you can't establish your own net. No, you can't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely don't want to have any, uh, like, gender ties specifically. Like, So if I do decide on a name before, um, but then also I know people that don't decide names until the child is actually born as well. Um, but I think regardless of a gender, I think I'll probably have a name that will work any which way up or down left or right it's quite a complicated process from what i've heard both from fictional storytelling and knowing people that have had kids because both uh parties come up with sort of lists and there's often you know i might say we had a child hypothetically okay there might be names that i wouldn't want that on your list of ones you do want and they sort of scratch them off i think it's Mm -hmm. quite a complicated uh quite a complicated process um i feel like through my years of thinking about kids not in a a specific must have children i need to come up with two boys and and two girls names or anything like that i've always been more inclined towards the fictional names or Mm. non-traditional names i wouldn't want to call a child anything that would be easy for other children to bully i think it's yeah yeah yeah. it's it's all very well to like to think we live in a world where bullying doesn't exist but um you know kids are kids are cruel and i think bullying will be something that probably continues continues to happen so kids are cruel kids are cruel kids are cruel kids suck anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're not born that way but no we're not born that way but no um, nature versus nurture, right? Yeah, nature versus nurture. Yeah, kids, awful. Kids. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I think that's why that leads me on to, like, I love the name Sirius, for example. Oh, um, mm-hmm, Made mm-hmm. popular from Sirius Black from the Harry Potter franchise. Now, would I actually name a child uh, a name that everyone would go, oh, like the character from that? That probably wouldn't be that fun for children trying to be individuals and becoming their own personality. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd be likely to consult mythology or obscure characters. Yeah, or, yeah, 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 agree. Um, it's interesting that we're both named quite traditional names. Yeah, I know. Matthew and, and James <laughs> yeah. are both biblical names, um, regardless True. of any sort of uh, Christian affiliation. But well, have I ever told you what my name was meant to be? No, I was going to ask you that. Or if you know what you would have been called if yeah. you were born female. Yeah, yeah. Well, in my on my dad's line, um, the name gets passed down, but for some reason, my dad and mum decided uh, not to do that. Um, so I was meant to be, or was meant to be, Wilhelmus Theodorus. 
Quoi? Will, William Theodore. Oh, right. Wilhelmus Theodorus. William Which is Dutch. Theodore. Yeah, so Wilhelmus Theodorus Stan. Which is William Theodore Stan. <laughs> I could rock with that. Yeah, yeah. And also on my birth certificate, um, uh, if people know me on Facebook or, well, actually used to, or it's no longer that on Facebook anymore, um, but it was Matthew Stan Leach. Um, but Leach is not actually on my birth certificate because they forgot to put it on there. So growing up, I always thought it was, we always thought Matthew Stan Leach until we actually checked my birth certificate as I got older and had to start applying for things. I couldn't have Leach because it's not on my um, passport or birth certificate. It's Matthew Stan, Matthew Jr. Stan. Oh, can of worms, bro. I mean, I won't <laughs> go into it, but I have two last names, but they're not double-barreled. One comes from uh, my dad's side of things. The other one comes from mum's side of things, but isn't mum's last name it's from you know her uh her family's her maiden name yes yeah uh no not her maid not her maiden name um but from but from the family other generations family name yeah yeah the irish heritage Mm -hmm. and going through school you know names on some systems and on sports Mm. teams Mm -hmm. and on named Mm -hmm. on clothing you know yeah i know that absolute nightmares um and I mean, this is this is a, another conversation for another time that we should actually talk about at some point within performance and acting is deciding what you want to call yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As that's an actor, what I was talking about. As yeah, an actor, yeah, yeah. and and you know, some famously people within in the performance industry use names completely different to what their birth names mm. was. But but we won't we won't dive yeah, into we'll, that. Yeah, that's okay. a whole yeah, we'll save that. For, we'll save that for it's another day. Put it um, in the doc. If I was born as a as a woman, I think my uh, I think mum's told me in the past that it was going to be something like Muriel or something Muriel. just awful. So oh. thank God. Thank God for that. Oh. Um, love you, mum. But, and it may not be Muriel, but something very much within that realm of existence. So I'll take, oh, a, I'll take a James. I'll take a James any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Strong, sturdy, reliable James. Just as I would say Matt, Matthew. Strong, sturdy, reliable. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I think kids naming things always some something that we consider whether we're inclined to have kids or not. Like the older you get, you just pick up names along along the way. And you know, you say you love the name Jasper. If you meet someone called Jasper within the next few years, whether you like them or you don't like them, the chance of you naming a hypothetical child Jasper just decreases exponentially. Yeah, I get because you, you associate them with yep. people you know, even if you like yep. someone. Mm-hmm. there's something about us wanting to name our kids a name that we don't have any associations with people. The older we get, the more people we meet, the more names we, uh, you know, have uh, an affiliation to. And I guess that's how the pool gets smaller and, and smaller and smaller. So sorry to disappoint you if, if you thought maybe I would call any prospective son Matthew after you. But <laughs> that's fine. Probably, I understand. Probably unlikely. Just go maybe middle name. Right? I mean, that's sort of where the middle name is, right? If you if you want to honour someone, you know, a, a past relative, it tends mm, to be mm. tends to be uh, a middle name. But yeah, I was just as I was walking walking over here, I thought, I wonder if an Oscar's ever won the Oscars. And then I thought, oh yeah, <laughs> there was that kid called LeBron. And I'm like, well, Wait, is that what? fair? Is it fair to call a kid something like yeah, that? Yeah, I but, get you. But I'm, and we know for a fact that names that are big in pop culture often inspire children to be to be named that way and it's just the, yeah. the way that well, have you, the, the have you seen are. have you seen not to ramble on anymore but have you seen elon musk's name 
Oh, it's something long kid. and weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's got like symbols in it. <laughs> I, I can't quite remember what it is. And numbers, I think. It's, I think it's got symbols and numbers in it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was, oh, it was, it's very funny. There's an interview of a guy who's like, he asks his kid's name, like, how are they doing? How is Radarara doing? And he's like, what? And the reporter's like, uh, your child? <laughs> he was, oh yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yeah, good. Yeah. And they both laughed because they didn't, they just didn't understand each other for a second. Uh, and that's John, why you keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John. Mary, something stable. Um, yeah, I was just cu- I was just curious. You know, I know that we had that discussion about the ethics of of having kids, and this I think you can have this conversation completely aside from that. But it's just fascinating how we interact with names in our life. Like I never had a James in my year group at school, and then one of the first tutorials I ever had at university, there were five Jameses in it, and I thought, yeah, wow, that was I'm same quite... with me and Matthew, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then two Jameses uh, at Bristol Vic in a class of of fourteen. I mean, there were only four guys. Oh, that's crazy. And two of us were called James. And that's crazy. Over the year, we never really figured out a nickname for either of us because we just sort of neither neither of us had one, and nothing came spontaneously. So we were just sort of <laughs> J James seven, and Hummers. <laughs> one seventh of the class was uh, a James. But but anyway, we'll, we'll park it. We'll park we we it will there. continue thank on. You we'll continue thank you for that. Thank you for your no, thoughts. Thank you. That's no, good. That's good to uh, not introduce you to a Jasper. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I would soon. like to hold on to that for a, at least a little while. Jaspers, if you're listening, um, message me personally, even though <laughs> you probably don't know how to. Jaspers, <laughs> you're valued listeners, but please uh, don't hold off. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> but we'll move on. We'll move, we move on. on. To, yeah, we move to on this to week's this Very week's fun. topic. Very fun. I know we're both super excited for it. It is, of course, uh, our Oscar special. Our uh, our yes, rest of the episode completely dedicated to the 93rd Academy Awards, which was uh, held Monday afternoon this week. And by uh, by happenstance of employment situations, Matt and I were both able to watch yeah. uh, the three and a half hour uh, broadcast uh which is i mean something to comment on uh, in of itself but we said a few weeks ago that our goal was to watch all uh eight films nominated for for best picture it used to be best it used to be five nominees for best picture mm. as is mm. the case with all other categories then they pushed it out to 10 supposedly it was because the year that dark knight was released dark knight was not nominated for best picture and because of the backlash to that... Because it was a superhero the, film, right? The Academy uh, decided to nominate 10, I think, the next year. And then I think since then, they decided it can be anywhere from 5 to 10 based on what the Academy deems uh, appropriate. But there were mm. 8 this year. Uh, and, yeah, Matt and I tasked ourselves only about three weeks ago to try and see all 8. Um, I don't know about you, but in the past, I've never never seen more than two films nominated for best picture and even before the oscars happened very rare for me to see a film before the oscars it would normally be in reaction yeah, to I get you. to that mm-hmm. um and 
yeah, I mean, before I guess before we even talk about the, the the ceremony, how did you how did you find it? You know, this year some of them were in the cinema, some of them are online. Um, it's quite a lot of hours of, of film to watch, particularly things we didn't give us that much leash. But but did you enjoy enjoy the process and and then watching the Oscars afterwards? Obviously, we'll dive into all the specifics of things we saw, but but I guess just your general yeah. thoughts. Yeah, general thoughts is that it dealt it felt dif- very different to other years. Um, and I think we obviously we can you know uh, thank COVID for that in a sense. Well, not necessarily thank, but yeah, it had a completely different feel. Um, you know, they're trying to look after restrictions and things, and that everyone that went in themselves has to be tested and you know vaccine and all of that kind of stuff. So there were all of these parameters to it. It didn't feel like the not that the Oscars get loosey goosey, but it didn't it didn't have that same kind of feel to it. It felt a lot more. Um, uh, proper but actually a lot of respect behind it as well so it, it kind of uh juxtaposes those two things it, that's why i felt like it, it was quite weird this year um but in saying that i had a lot more appreciation for it because i watched so many of the movies mm. i actually knew uh you know after watching and forming opinion of these movies i know why that they had been nominated for what they did so that's why it was so fun doing these predictions that we've done um so yeah that kind of makes it a little bit more uh gratifying i guess watching watching it after watching so many of the movies um and yeah also i just wanted to kind of yeah take it in this year i've watched many of the oscars um but definitely lately uh because of work you know so as you mentioned the fact that we weren't at work this year was was very fortunate but yeah i did i did enjoy it um i missed the red carpet at the start you know the red carpet is obviously some moments that everyone goes in for initially um you know especially instagram that's for sure um but yeah missed all of that so just kind of had the full procedure of it and yeah like i said i think it it felt very very smooth very smooth um and it definitely had its moments in the sense of speeches and specific people that one it made it very um uh i don't know uh like joyous in the sense of i think a big complaint that a lot of people have had about the um, oscars and the academy awards is um that it's been hasn't been very diverse and it's been very dominated um but i do feel like the it, it's changing a lot more and people are getting recognized um for their work that they're doing instead of the color of their skin yeah for sure um and obviously you know, gender representation as well across categories that are, are not gender gender specific um so yeah I, I guess we should say that of the eight films that were nominated for for best picture matt and i only managed to see six of them each but we covered the eight between us yes so the four films that we both saw were the father uh judas and the black messiah trial of the chicago seven and the sound of metal and the extra two that i saw uh were minari and promising a young woman and the extra two that matt saw were nomadland and mank uh and as i said there was sort of a, a split at least in new zealand for how films were released uh we saw the Father in cinemas, we, I saw Minari in cinemas, Promising Young Woman in cinemas, Judas and the Black Messiah in cinemas, you saw Nomadland in cinema, and then Trial of the Chicago 7, Mank and Sound of Metal were all online. And of course, mm-hmm. being in New Zealand, we had more access to the films than than anyone in America. It's, and that, yes, was, that, true. that was something that I had to keep reminding myself during the ceremony and, and kind of the, the aftermath of it was that lots of people haven't seen any of these films um 
whereas you and I being privileged to be in, in New Zealand, mm-hmm. even the fact that mm-hmm. we were able to see them kind of made us more, I don't want to say qualified, but in the high percentile of, of people going into, into watching the ceremony, which I really enjoyed. I was like, yeah, we're going in relatively educated True. Um, based on actually having seen a high proportion of, of the films, at least nominated for best picture, yep. uh, many, many other films nominated in other categories. But I thought what we should do to start this week was to go through the, the ceremony uh, before the uh, the Oscar day itself. Uh, Matt and I had written down some predictions based on categories we felt strongly about, not just who would win Best Picture, but, but the categories that had nominees based on films we'd seen. Um, yeah, and I guess we should just go through category by category. Uh, Matt did text... We, we didn't tell each other how we'd done predictions-wise. Matt did say afterwards that he, he thought he did quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. I did quite well as well. So let's go through from the start of, of the ceremony and, and see what we predicted correctly. Nice. Um, I did miss the first two mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the first two awards. I was at home, having finished work on the Monday, recognized Anzac Day, and rushed home. But I thought it was at 12.30, not 12. So... I found out about the results of the first two categories uh, before I actually tuned on the stream. But the first category that was announced was uh, original screenplay. Um, my prediction for the Oscar going to original screenplay was Pretty Young Woman, which was correct. Yourself, mm-hmm. sir, did you have a prediction for it? I, I didn't. I didn't. I actually I, I um, mistakenly just did a prediction for adapted screenplay. Instead right. of original screenplay, so yeah, completely, completely forgot to do that. But in saying that, I didn't see Promising Young Woman, yes. um, so I probably wouldn't have gotten that pick any anyway. Um, but yeah, Emerald Emerald Fennell um, won that for Promising Young Woman. Yes, and the, the five movies that were nominated were Trial of Chicago Seven, Sound of Many, Mina- Sound of Metal, Minari, Judas the Black Messiah, and Promising Young Woman. So all films that were nominated for Best Picture. Um, the reason that I chose Promising Young Woman was just because I thought it might be the only award that promising young woman uh wins Mm -hmm. and i think because trial the chicago seven and judas and the black messiah were both based on history i was like it's an original screenplay but not purely original source material i get you and i i I thought maybe promising young woman will sneak it out here because it was uh well we'll talk about all the films near the end of this but it was very it was very original to to put it to put it blandly i thought maybe promising young woman will win this award and win not much else but yeah so i went one from one in my first in my first first category well done um and then yeah and then yes next straight after that was adapted screenplay um and yeah adapted screenplay the winner that took that out was uh the father the father uh yeah so yeah florian zeller and christopher hampton uh did that uh and yeah i mean i picked the father for mm-hmm. um adapted screenplay uh, and Is i it think I? yeah i think it was a pretty obvious choice um just because obviously the source material for the father is a play itself um and yeah i, I just yeah i like i said we'll talk about the, the father later but while i was watching the movie i really wished i had seen the play yes and that's why i felt uh, it really would be an effective screenplay in, in both senses, you know? Because obviously they did have to adapt it. You can't just take the play and just be like, oh, yeah, here it is in the film. So, yeah, they've adapted it very well to give that same same feeling. So, yeah, walked out of that being like, man, I really want to do or see that show. Um, so, yeah, that's why that's why I took it. We should say to, to people who don't know much about the Oscars, original screenplay means there's no real original source material. Mm-hmm. 
films that are based on history obviously have source material but it's not uh based on a a book uh Mm -hmm. last year uh taika won for jojo rabbit which was based on on a book so adapted screenplay is normally based on a a novel or a radio play or newspaper articles or but yeah i I also thought the father would win that because of its its translation from a play to a film sort of seemed like a a classic type thing that would would win um so nice so you were one from one in in the categories you predicted at that stage i was two from two the third category was best international film i hadn't seen any of the nominees didn't have any thoughts i presume the same with you yeah uh the next category again and sort of a and we should say every year the director who produces the oscars it's up to him or her what order they put things in so this year as we'll get into later on was quite controversial but Mm. they Mm. they bumped best supporting actor quite near the start of the uh the ceremony uh the nominees for best uh supporting actor were Sasha Baron Cohen for Trials of Chicago 7, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, which neither of us saw, Paul Ratchie from Sound of Metal, which we both saw, and then two uh, people from Judas and the Black Messiah, both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. And my prediction for this category uh, was Daniel Kaluuya, who uh, did end up winning. Did you have a prediction, sir? Uh, yeah, I did. I actually, I actually doubled up uh, one that I thought would win, and then one that I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I no, I actually went the other way. I actually went. Um, I thought Paul um, Ratchi would win, um, Sound of Metal, um, and then. But I also uh, actually put Sasha Baron Conan uh, going for the win. Really? Um, yeah, well, I, and I think that comes down to I enjoyed those movies a little bit more than Judas and the Black Messiah, and those two. I don't know, kind of did it for me i definitely think paul ratchie did it did uh, just just in the sense of what he did for that film in sound of metal i i thought he was going to don't get me wrong i loved um daniel kaluuya um and Jason the black messiah but i actually thought lakeith um did a better job than him in that movie and what and what they were doing wow interesting uh, let's let's park that and come back to it yep. when we talk about the film because yep. i remember i messaged matt beforehand and this was a category i circled that i thought was just for me was one of the few categories where I was like, Daniel Kaluuya will definitely mm. win this. And mm. when he did, I was not surprised at all. So I'm fascinated to to hear why you didn't think his performance was that much of a standout, say say compared to the others. But we'll come back to it because we have to rattle through. Of course. Um, also, I should say, I will award both of us half points if at any point we double up and oh, we yeah, say, cool. I think this will win, but I want this to win. Yeah. And yeah. your your one of them comes through. Yeah. Spoiler, um, that happened to me a few times and I wish to claim half credit. Um, <laughs> after Best Supporting Actor, the next category was uh, Hair and Makeup, which, again, I didn't have any thoughts on. No. Uh, same with you, I'm presuming. Yeah. Um, yep. Marani's, right? Yeah, Marani's Black Bottom won yep. both that and the next category, which was uh, Costume. Again, not to say that these categories are any less important. They were simply filled with uh, nominees that weren't based on yep. films. For the most part, they were nominated for best, for best Picture, which was True. where we, we chose to uh, commit our watching time. Um, category 7 was uh, Directing. Directing, directing, directing. Yeah. Now, I messaged you about directing because uh, one of the things that, that stuck out to me when I was looking at the uh, the nominees for Best Director was that um, there were a few films 
that I hadn't seen and a few films that you hadn't seen. So Thomas Vinterberg was nominated for Another Round, which mm. I believe won Best yeah won Best International Feature Film. Yeah, Danish, and then, yeah. And then the other four nominees were all nominated for Best Picture, Promising Young Woman, Minari, uh, Mank, and Nomadland. So we'd seen two of them each. And I don't know, I'm interested to hear, I mean, what was your, did you put a prediction down no, based on only having seen two? No, I didn't. Nah, I didn't predict it. And I don't think I necessarily predicted it, uh, even with the winner. I mean, I can, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it. Um, but yeah, I didn't make a prediction just because mm. I didn't, didn't know. So I, without having seen Nomadland, predicted Chloe Zhao. Oh, well, and mm, and yeah, not, mm. not to, <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily particularly impressive and i should say i tried to avoid any sort of protection prediction threads on reddit or or pop culture articles that i read but it, it seemed to me that there was such a rumbling for her to win because of the fact that only one female had ever won best director before mm. and that nomadland was such a acclaimed film and i guess having seen both minari and promising young woman and, and not having thought the direction stuck out so much that I would predict them. I sort of just went, you know what? Chloe Zhao's going to win for Nomadland. And so oh, when fair, it was announced, fair. I went, cool, I'll take it. I've written it down. <laughs> um, but yes, Chloe Zhao, uh, the start of what would be quite a successful night for Nomadland, went away with uh, the win there. So through seven categories, I was I was firing. I think, nice. uh, I think I'd hadn't got a, a prediction wrong. And I was like, man should have bet on this i know you can bet on the oscars <laughs> in american books um and next up was the oscar nomination for sound uh yes. did you have a prediction for this i, I did expecting you did yep yep i definitely did uh my prediction was sound of metal and sound of metal one and yeah, one of one of the more uh obvious oscar awards it's in, the, it's in the title right yeah it's in the title <laughs> and again we'll get into the movies later on but sound of metal uh was a film based around sound and deafness yep. and the way that that film was edited uh to play with different different oh, areas of sound was incredible amazing. and was probably always going to win i did think it was weird that riz ahmed who was the protagonist in sound of metal presented for it it was just weird to me like were they saying that yes sound of metal was going to win kind of everyone already knew that it was going to win it just felt a bit gross to me that he presented the award but yeah i get you but yeah the sound and sound of metal was was so incredible uh and a a prediction win for both of us so good on you good on you there sir uh we then went into a couple of categories which i imagine neither of us had much to say about uh best live action short film and best animated short film hadn't seen any of the nominees i i saw the winner of best animated short oh really yeah yeah what was the name again sorry um i don't remember uh uh something uh uh behind um let me oh, have a look. It's on Netflix. Uh, um, best animated short film. If anything happens, I love you. Yes. If anything happens, I love you. Yeah. Now this is, yeah, I think, uh, I can't quite remember how long it is, but it's basically a story of, um, a father and a mother, um, losing their child, uh, to a school attack. And it's such a simple animation, but you cannot watch it, uh, without crying. Right. And I, I, I successfully did. 
Um, not not that I was trying to, but no, it it was absolutely amazing short short story. Um, and yeah, could totally saw the win. I didn't write it down, um, but after I had seen it, and the fact that it did one win, I was like, yeah, totally agree. But I hadn't seen the other ones, but I can understand why it won the Oscar. Nice. Well, I'll have to go go and watch. And that's the nice thing about the shorts. Uh, in the past, I think the. Uh, I, I've seen quite a few of the animated shorts. Often they end up on YouTube. Um, I remember in the past the the Kobe Bryant uh, short I thought was brilliant and won. Um, but but yeah, what made you watch it? Was it just uh, recommendation? Right. Not not necessarily from Netflix, from someone else. I think my um, it had popped up on the news and my mum had heard about it and she told me. So we watched it together um, uh, just quickly while we were hanging out one day. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I'll be on to that. Um, that naturally led into Best Animated Feature Film. Um, again, I would say a category that probably was was fairly predictable and who most people thought would win. Uh, the nominees for Best Animated Feature were... Excuse me, a little bit there. Uh, Onward, um, Over the Moon, Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon, Wolfwalkers, and the eventual winner and sort of predictable winner, Soul. The film that I talked about so lovingly uh, recently uh, on this podcast. I think I encouraged you to watch, and then you did. Did you watch it? No, I haven't actually watched it. You haven't seen it. Dude. No. You gotta watch Soul. No, oh, you gotta but watch. Did Soul. I predict it's... it? Yes. Take it. Take it. <laughs> if you're aware of the the rumblings in pop culture, oh, definitely. Um, yeah, Soul was kind of expected to be the one. I mean, I haven't seen any of the other ones, but that film was was so was so brilliant. So a, a worthy worthy win there. Um, went into the next category, which as I I scan scan my page, I'm hunting for twelve. Has anyone seen twelve? Unfortunately, they're not in in any any particular order because the way that I wrote down the categories on the page. Oh, did you then write the numbers next to it? Yeah, I did that. <laughs> did the numbers next to it. And if you've ever been stuck in this situation, you yeah. just can never yeah. find it. Um, short documentary was the next category. Uh, none of which I had seen. No none. prediction, no opinion. No. Um, same as yourself. And then the following one after that was uh, best feature documentary. Um, the only one that I saw was the documentary that eventually ended up winning, which is the one called My Octopus Teacher. It had been recommended to me by someone in Martinborough. They raved about it, watched it the night before the Oscars, not because it was nominated, just wanted to watch a documentary. Long and the short is it's about this South African guy who uh, films underwater, his relationship with this octopus for about a year, just going from the discovering this octopus the octopus are learning to trust him and it's a sort of analysis of the intelligence of the animal species and and the lifespan and Mm. and the things we don't know about the animal world and it was it was good and i can understand why a film like this would get critical acclaim because it's 325 days of him filming underwater like a certain amount of effort went into creating it um and i think it took 10 years to edit and piece together but I just, it was a bit, it was 90 minutes of the same thing. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And the the director, the, not the director, the person in the documentary comes off as, uh, he has a certain personality, which I would say over 90 minutes can get a bit tiresome. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, Fran and I were like, no way it went to Pete's documentary. <laughs> and of course <laughs> oh, no. it did. And I don't know yeah, how much yeah, of that yeah. was that it was a Netflix release. Lots of people had seen it. Apparently it was having kind of a big moment with lots of people saying, oh, you must watch this documentary. But I laughed out loud when it did win. And then afterwards, when the people that 
did the Oscars speech, uh, the speeches never once thanked the octopus itself, which is now <laughs> dead because spoilers, octopuses don't live for that long. Oh, um, no. But yeah, that that cracked me up. I, I didn't have a prediction because in my head I went, this one won't win, so we'll yep. be one of the other four. But yep, I, I mean, not that I'm saying don't watch it. It's quite a nice documentary, sort of nature-esque, where I think David Attenborough has done such brilliant documentaries over the last however many years that it didn't strike me as being like shockingly good um but anyway uh, my octopus teacher did win the next category uh was uh, visual effects um and the nominations for visual effects i don't think i had seen uh any of them but the nominees were the one and only ivan mulan midnight sky love monsters and tenet now i know that you've seen at least one of these films being tenet, two of them and you saw mulan yeah uh saw none of them and i confidently wrote down tenet and i thought there's no way anything else wins and i was correct so you so you win. just you just took a, took a punt at that you suck but but <laughs> i gotta say i got that it by the way guys based, i saw the movie I'm, i saw I'm, it i saw it. the movie and you got it but I, the way that you've spoken about that film and its similarities to Inception and Christopher oh, Nolan and, yeah. and the way you've raved about it, yep. I was like, there's no, there can't be any way that this this doesn't win because of, even just without knowing the specific plot of that film, having seen bits and pieces of it, even just the trailer and stuff, I was like, visual effects, yeah. this is what. I'm sure was a crucial part of why this movie had the reception that it did. Yeah, totally. But you speak to totally. it as someone that saw it. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it's exactly that. Like, like I said, um, that other episode, sound wise, didn't get it, didn't get it at all. But visually, it was, it, it's outstanding. And you're so right; it is definitely on that same uh, path as in Inception. Uh, almost, you know, that interstellar kind of vibe as well. It kind of just it pushes the boundary of reality and the way that they visually executed that with their effects and, and cinematography and stuff. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I can understand why the other ones were nominated as well. Visual effects in the sense of an, an animation or fighting um, or animation on um, animals as as the uh, Ivan is. Um, so, but yeah, I think what it did for the story and how involved the visual effects are in the story, uh, definitely, definitely a, a no, no brainer on that one. Nice, nice. Um, and then that brought us around to uh, actress in a supporting role. Um, and I'm not I'm I'm not bragging but this is this was my peak of success with predictions at this stage <laughs> I'd gone seven from seven wow. categories predicted that's crazy and this is where the wheels came unstuck and it kind of went downhill downhill from here and I should say having listened to a little bit of commentary it sounds like the first half was went more predictably than than the second half um but the nominees for best uh, actress in a supporting role uh were Amanda Seyfried and Mank, Olivia Coleman and The Father, Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy, Maria Bakalova and Borat's subsequent movie film won't say the rest of the title, and uh, <laughs> Yunya Jung and Minari. Um, obviously, you had seen two. Did you see Borat? Yes. So you'd seen three of the five films. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts and predictions, sir? Uh, actually, I said um, Maria Bakalova. Bakalova. Um, I, yeah, I thought she was uh, as crazy as Borat was. Um, I actually thought she was brilliant in that role that she was doing with, with Sasha Baron Conan. 
um and yeah i i I, that that was that was my prediction um i obviously didn't see um minari so i didn't get to see that performance um but yeah out of the three that i had seen i thought it would go that way just because i don't know i i i really appreciate when people are just doing something really different and they execute it really well um and that's why i went with maria bakalova because she did exactly that which I think is fair enough. And having recently been on YouTube and watched, uh, there's a great, I think it's maybe Vanity Fair does breaking down a scene and Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Cohen talks about a scene breakdown and you actually get a bit of insight on how they film Borat, uh, what pieces are manipulated, what pieces aren't. The fact that in this particular scene, uh, Maria Bakalova didn't know what was going on. She just has to improvise based on where Sasha mm. Baron Cohen pushes her to have the story be told. Um, a really impressive performance within a specific kind of acting. I yes, guess true. improv in a sense yeah. to tell that kind of story. Um, I had also seen uh, that Borat, I had seen The Father and I'd seen Minari. Uh, Hensing Hillbilly Elegy or Mank. Um, this was my first double down prediction. I thought I wrote that I thought Olivia Coleman would win, but that I wanted uh, uh, the the we should say the eventual winner Yunya Jung to win for her role in Minari. Um, I don't know why I thought Olivia Coleman would win. I guess an an under writing theme of of my predictions with that. I thought the father was going to clean up. And I'd heard lots of people who, who thought that Olivia Coleman's performance was just as great as uh, Anthony Hopkins. I didn't actually feel the same way. I came out of that film with just Anthony Hopkins being the only person on my mind. But yeah, I thought I, I thought Olivia Coleman was going to win again. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised um, when that d- didn't turn out to be the case. And uh, Yoon Yo Jung won for Minari. Um, she also cleaned up all the other awards. So I guess it was not predictable and... and actors that win golden globes or baftas and stuff don't necessarily win for the oscar mm, mm. but she had had won lots of the awards before this yeah. um she's I'll also on- the she's also I was just quickly she's also the first um asian female uh to win best supporting actress um since 1957 i believe as wow. well yeah well the last I, would, I think it's the last asian and she's the last uh, she's the first female um, Asian to to win that award, so just amazing. Once again, like it, like I said at the start, the diversity um, and these people being recognised for work is great. Is, age, is really cool. Age wise as well, she's yeah, seventy three, I yeah. think. Um, an awesome performance performance by her in that film, which I'll get onto when when we talk about Minari nice, nice. Uh, later on. But but we must we must continue we must to get her on, yeah. speed through. Uh, Category sixteen was production design. Uh, had no real thoughts. Don't even Neither. really know what the production design Oscar is for. <laughs> Um, as much as love to spend 10 minutes googling it uh, we just don't have the time um scoot on through to 17 which was the cinematography oscar um now this again was was a category that i put a ring around because i believe that it was more heavily uh towards films that you had seen am i right in saying Mm -hmm. that yeah the Five nominees yep. were Trial of the Chicago 7, which mm-hmm. we both saw, yep. Judas and the Black Messiah, which we both saw, yep. Nomadland and Mank, which you saw, mm-hmm. and News of the World, which was not a Best Picture nominee, nominee no. so I'm presuming you haven't seen. Um, as someone who'd seen four of the five nominees, what were your thoughts? Did you have a clear prediction? Did you kind of, uh, I mean, cinematography, I have a vague understanding of what I think went into it. I mean, what were your thoughts yeah, heading out? Yeah, I, um, I doubled down. I doubled down. I had uh, one that I thought would win, and I had one that I would like to win. 
Yes, tell me, tell me. Uh, I thought Nomadland uh, would take it. Um, Nomadland in the sense their cinematography was really beautiful, uh, the way that they chose their shots um, and in the sense of nomad and you know what it's all about which we'll, which I'll talk about um, it's very um, scenic so being able to capture people um, out in daily life and also just in the middle of nowhere in the desert and, and just, just what they did with cinematography there uh, and the way that they chose for that movie to feel with its surroundings very good so um, I, I would have liked it to have won um, but yeah Mank won and I think it was the clear winner in, in, in my book just because that movie kind of relies on its cinematography. It relies yes. on the way that it looks um, for it to have the style that it's trying to do. So I can understand uh, why that one. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, like Chloe Zhao, it was a category where I picked a film that I hadn't seen. I picked Mank simply because it's like, this has surely got to be an award that, that Mank wins. I don't think anyone's talking about it being uh, a best picture contender. I mean, I didn't see it. I'll be interested in your thoughts later on. But yeah, you're right. Even not having seen it, I knew that, having seen the trailer and the discussion about it, was that it was a film based around a style of movie making, trying to replicate filmmaking from a different decade, being yep. in black and white. I thought, surely this is going to win for cinematography. Even if another film was beautiful, it was almost a film making a beeline for the yeah. cinematography Oscar. So uh, I was not really that surprised that it well, didn't mean it yeah. deserved to necessarily again, not having seen Nomadland, but I thought for a specific choice for a film, I guess it leaned more heavily yeah. into, into it than do, any do, other film. Do I knew Mank was going to win? Do I still only get half a point? Cause I did too. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Right. Did, I did, did double you, down. No. Did you predict that it would win? I predicted it would win, but I wanted Nomadland to win. No, you get a full mark for predicting it will win. You get a half mark if, like, so I gave myself a half mark for actress in a supporting role because I thought uh, she I deserved to and I wanted her to win, yep. but I thought the Academy would. So, no, you get a full mark for, for Thank prediction you. on that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just You're want to make sure that I'm no, catching no. up. You're very welcome. <laughs> uh, the next category was editing, um, a category which I thought was a two-horse race, and I'm interested in your thoughts, but I thought it was either going to be The Father or Sound of Metal, both films where editing was, I thought, key to the effect of the film in Definitely. different ways. The Father yep. was more about... Uh, pers perspective and yep, disorientating so the audience and, mm -hmm. and using cuts and editing to confuse us sort of visually and time-wise, timeline-wise. Whereas Sound of Metal, the editing was quite sound-focused. And, and, and I was interested in the crossover here of, of how biased it would be to say sound editing versus normal editing. Mm, mm. I actually went in the wrong direction. I predicted that the father would win. Um, I thought it would... I, I thought for some reason the academy would would uh, award sound of metal for sound but then go editing in the other direction but it was not the case sound of metal uh won that oscar yes, as well did. um yeah. did you have a prediction for it yeah i went straight sound of metal yeah yeah man i i definitely thought the same with the father as well um but i didn't i went straight on sound of metal uh because i just believed the, that film yeah like i said we will talk about it but yeah that film the way that they were able to uh like you said with the cuts and things like that tie that in with sound um it was very much like the father very disorientating so i thought it was very effective and in, in part of that storytelling once again very deserved as well for yep. sound of metal my, yep. my prediction for the father was not a want to win it was more of a mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it was one of the two true 50 50 toss-ups where nice. i just went 
it's going to be one of them write write something down and again another prediction where i thought the father would win and didn't um we're getting near the end category 19 was music uh did you have a prediction for the sir for the score uh yes sorry for yep. the score yep yep yeah so so it was always going to be so yeah. again you yeah. haven't seen the film but no but it was just one of those films just yep. based on reputation exactly. uh exactly. two of the other best pictures were nominated mank and minari um and uh, five bloods and news of the world it was always going to be so just like yeah, best animated. I agree. Yeah. Just, I mean, when you watch it, the way that music has in, integral to that that plot, it was just Solon and four other nominees. Not to not to poo poo any of the others, but again, no. a category that I think was sort of predictable. True. Um, best song, best original song. I didn't have a prediction. No, neither I'd, did I. I'd seen um, uh, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga, <laughs> yes. so I knew Husevik, uh, and we both watched trial of chicago seven and judas and the black messiah that had songs in it neither of which while watching i really clocked that they were original songs um and fight for you from judas and the black messiah uh one and i was kind of like is it uh, the the problem with those songs is that they put them in the credits yeah you know they it's it's obviously you know for publicity and things like that but they're actually they're nothing what what the score does yeah right they're just songs and they usually will chuck i know what james bond it'll either be right at the start during the credit sequence um or they'll be right at the end as well yeah whereas husavig smack bang in the middle of his credits part of the the middle of of the film so Eurovision that was the only category that Fran was interested in because she <laughs> loves stop myself from swearing um she absolutely loves that song um but my favorite my favorite from the movies yeah yeah ding dong ding dong, dong. great yeah. movie it goes so good go watch yeah, it oh my yeah. god those two together are amazing do what a what a combo um and that brought us to the last three categories of the night. Now, traditionally, with the Oscars, Best Picture is awarded last. And I think the last time it wasn't awarded last was sometime in the 70s. Mm. And as I said, the person who designs the Oscars, which I don't know if you know, uh, was Steven Soderbergh. Uh-huh. He was the person that was in charge of like designing the Oscars this year. And at some point, he must have made the decision to do Best Picture. Yeah. Third to last. Third to last. Should yeah. we leave this for the last category because it'll segue because into it'll our segue thoughts? Because it'll segue into the definitely. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. But so best picture was announced. Uh, the winners came up on stage, and I messaged Matt and I said to him, "They have to have made the decision to put best picture last because of who they know or think is going to win best actor, and that went the night in a certain way." Put a pin in that, and we'll come back to it because best actor uh, actress in a leading role was next um this so was strangely one of the categories that i had no uh no real sense of because a number of the nominees were not in films nominated for best True. uh picture yeah. uh the best actress nominees were viola davis for marani's black bottom which i hadn't seen uh andrew day for united states first billy holiday which i hadn't seen Vanessa kirby for piece of woman which i hadn't seen carrie mulligan from promising young woman which i did see and francis mcdormand for nomadland which i uh, had not seen so this was a category that i just didn't predict because i didn't think that carrie mulligan was going to win it for promising young mm. woman mm. my instinct was towards andrew day just because i know that that is a uh, a performance where i believe the the andrew day sung for it as well as acted for it nice yep. which has often been looked on positively emma stone la la land but True. yeah it was just was just a category that i 
I was surprised to not have a particularly strong opinion on um, in comparison to Best Actor, where four of the five actors were in Best Picture nominated films. Um, what were your thoughts? Did you did you have a prediction for I mean, you'd yeah. only seen Francis McDormand in Nomadland. Yeah, yeah, I had only seen Francis McDormand in Nomadland, and from that performance, I picked her. Nice. Yeah, nice. Man. Yeah. Uh, she's amazing. Absolutely yep. amazing. Fully encompasses the character Fern. Uh, in that movie and she did it brilliantly uh and yeah it, it, she, it was even she she was even su- she's such a you know a character of a woman when she went on stage as well um yeah. you know it, it, it was she was completely her own person going away from the system of these long speeches it was just quick short and sharp um and yeah uh, uh, amazing amazing performance in nomadland for sure nice nice well i mean it, it speaks volumes to the fact that you predicted her have yep. you not seen any of the other, other any four others. films? Yeah, yeah. And that led us to the final category of the night, which was Best Actor in a Leading Role. Now, the nominees were Stephen Yun in Minari, which I saw, Gary Oldman in Mank, which you saw, Chadwick Boseman, posthumous uh, Oscar nomination. As we know, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, passed away, um, was it last year or was it in January? Well, that's no. It was last last year. I think it was last year. Last year, uh, so he was nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, posthumous Oscar nomination. Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal and Anthony Hopkins for The Father. So we had both seen uh, three of the five nominees. There was one film nominated for Best Picture that we hadn't seen, and then this sort of big, big star beside by. Chadwick Boseman, because um, you hadn't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, right? No, no, I haven't, no. Neither have I. But he had won, I believe, the Golden Globe for it. And as is the nature of, of a posthumous Oscar being nominated uh, after having passed away, there was definitely an undercurrent of, of an expectation that Chadwick Boseman was going to win. And I believe he was the betting favourite, um, not to... Uh, you know, some people wouldn't see positively on talking about gambling numbers in relation to that sort of thing. But but often Vegas has a pretty good understanding of the momentum of Oscars and who the, it is expected to win based on sort of critical insider knowledge. And so for this uh, category, I was I was really torn and doubled down on a who I think will win and who I want to win. Um, would you like to go first, though? Do you want to speak to what your thoughts mm-hmm. were around around that category, how Chadwick Boseman sort of played a part and and how you thought that category might go, and the fact that it was the last category of the night, which, yeah. as I said to Matt, suggested something to me about how the award might go. Yeah, well, when you messaged me that, it, um, it did make me think. I was like, oh, yeah, that is potentially what they're going for. Um, but I didn't actually have Chadwick in, in my pick at all obviously that's because I didn't see the movies, but it's also because I, these two I thought did a really amazing job from what I saw. Um, so I actually wanted, uh, Riz Ahmed to take it out, um, for sound of metal. Um, but I actually picked Anthony Hopkins to win. So yeah, I, I was, I was successful, uh, in the Anthony Hopkins camp. Nice. Um, take your, take your full points. I will. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um yeah, yeah, it's. I think it was. It was the most. 
uh, weirdest kind of uh, moment of the night, it being the last. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll speak to that after. What, what, what Your prediction was full Chadwick, was it? No, no. So I kind of went the other oh, way around. Down. Uh, I, I, I wanted and thought Anthony Hopkins deserved to win. My expectation was for the Chadwick Boseman narrative to take over and for him to win. So it was a bit of... Uh, we should say Anthony Hopkins won the Oscar. Um, not only was there sort of this vibe of expectation that Chadwick Boseman would win because it was the last award of the night, not only did that not happen, Anthony Hopkins was not in Los Angeles or any of the other uh, hubs that they'd set up in Paris and London and Australia. So uh, it simply showed a picture of his face, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who clearly did not give a, a stuff to be there, said the Academy would accept on his behalf. He and the never night does, ended, eh? And it was just, just sort of feels like he wants just to bizarre. But but I was I was pleased that Anthony Hopkins won because I could understand the, the narrative of people wanting to recognise Chadwick Boseman and his last uh, role, but I thought Anthony Hopkins really deserved it for that, that performance. So yep. I give myself a half mark for the want to deserve. You take the full <laughs> yeah. mark for that. Um, and we'll rewind, I guess, back to back to best picture. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess they, they came out and announced that it was going to be awarded, and I went, oh, not not last. That's quite you know, quite uh, a shocking decision. <gasps> the horror. For, the horror. Um, my prediction for best picture was I, I was pretty confident. I wrote down, should win. The father will win. Yeah. The yeah. father, yeah. and I think that that reflected my my personal opinion of the father's role within this Oscars season being slightly out of joint with I don't want to say everyone else's, but having looked back on who people thought would win, who people predicted to win, the the momentum of of this, uh, the father was kind of not really in, in the conversation i think mm. it was mm. the, the odds were that it was the fourth favorite or something but yeah i i, I was kind of confident that the father would clean up and uh spoiler it did not win no. over to you sir yeah uh, yeah in the uh, six of eight films that you watched i imagine you would have predicted within the six of eight i'm yep. fascinated to hear who your expectation pick was for best picture uh, of the 93rd Academy Awards. Yeah, I, uh, once again, I doubled down. I doubled down because I was really split. Um, but I, yeah, I also did The Father, uh, definitely. I just thought it was, yeah, good, just going to go that way because it, uh, it was the one that made me feel the most. Um, but then I also did Sound of Metal as well. I really enjoyed Sound of Metal so much. Um, and yeah, I wanted it to be, you know, really recognized for what it was trying to do as a movie. Um, and it did, it did with the, with the editing and the sound, which I think they put a lot of effort into in in that aspect. But there was part of me, a lot of it knew that Sound of Metal isn't necessarily going to be, I don't know, an Oscar winning picture as well. Um, but yeah, no, I did. I I went the father and yeah, I was, I was thoroughly surprised with the winner of this category and, uh, that, that winner it going to Nomadland. Yeah, I was surprised as well. And I mean, I was a bit cheesed off that it won because it was t- t- two, one of the two films that I didn't, didn't see. see. And I will yeah. go and watch it now. And I was like, yeah, you I should. Said you should. Friend, I was like, for God's sake, like I've watched <laughs> six of them and well, I didn't watch. Um, but I mean, that that was my my own doing. I definitely had the the opportunity to watch it. But I was kind of I was kind of surprised and even more surprised later on to learn that. Nomadland was the heaviest best picture favorite in like the last 10 years. 
Everyone thought it was going to win. Wow. Who decides this? Who leans into this this coverage and this critical expectation and this gambling expectation? Everyone thought that no was 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 going to win. And in the past, there have been films that have been heavily favorited that that haven't won. It doesn't mean that uh, that that film is is definitely expected to happen. But yeah, I was surprised in hindsight to sort of read and listen to the fact that no man land heavy favorite and won and kind of no one was surprised and the weird thing about the ceremony was that because Frances McDormand was a producer of this film she was such an integral part of it she spoke during the acceptance and kind of got her expectant speech out of the way and then she won best uh, actress in a leading role next and then had to come back out again and so that was disjointed and then the best actor in a leading role happened with Anthony Hopkins which meant Chadwick Boseman wasn't honoured posthumously and not only that Anthony Hopkins was nowhere so it ended it was just a it just ended. really weird it was weird, really weird weird weird, weird, weird yeah. ending yeah. Um, to what was frankly like it was okay to it was watch. Okay. I mean, we're going to get in, we're going to get in, yep. into the films. Um, and look, if you're listening, it's going to be a long episode because we're going <laughs> to talk until we're finished. Until we're finished talking, take a break, have a pause, find yourself a cup of tea, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. Um, but before we get into that, what was your experience like watching uh, three and a half hours of the the Oscar ceremony? I guess my quick thoughts were, it was definitely a weird vibe. Uh, it seemed quite formal, quite quiet. Yeah. I know yeah. they weren't really playing as as much. Often there's musical performances and skits. There was only really one skit. Um, they another thing is they just didn't show clips from all the nominees and all the categories. No, there's only like certain in, ones. Yeah, and best supporting actor they didn't show clips from that. Um, and as lots of the dialogue afterwards said, like the half the reason to show clips in the Oscars ceremony is to give people a taste of the film to make them go out and watch them. And in mm, a year where mm. people, particularly in the States, haven't seen these films, to not show clips from the films was such a bizarre choice. True. And yet despite that, it still went for three and a half hours. Uh, it was just it was really strange to watch. I did enjoy being home. And actually I cleaned the house for about three and a half hours while <laughs> watching it, which was nice. quite therapeutic on, <laughs> on the Monday, uh, Monday eyes to Anzac day. But yeah, it's just a, a weird viewing experience. And I can say to you before I chuck it over to you for your thoughts, the lowest rated Oscars ever for yep. audience rating, yep. I think it was 9.8 million viewers, 9.85 yeah. down from 23 mil the year before. Mm-hmm. And in previous sort of, five ten years ago would be 40 million so barely anyone anyone watched it but yeah mixed thoughts i enjoyed watching it having predictions and having seen some of the films but the production of it was just a little bit weird yeah but but, no your thoughts sir yeah i totally agree I, i so know what you mean um look there were some really good moments that kind of made me feel like yeah this is what an oscar should feel like and there were some moments in that being like oh this is actually really refreshing um, and that was when they did the uh, the Questlove, who was the DJ um, for the, 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 the whole evening. Um, I can't remember who came out um, specifically, but they did like a, not a karaoke. Lil but Ray, I think yeah, is his name. No, yeah, yes, yeah. Someone had to come out and, oh, uh, sorry, someone in the audience had to guess whether a song had been not nominated, nominated or won. Um, a song and anyway they went up to Glenn Close um, for one of the one of the quizzes one of the questions um, and she I think it was uh, a song called Debut 
debut. Um, yeah. Yeah. Debut. And everyone was like, ah, Glenn Close isn't going to know this. And then all of a sudden she started rattling off all of these facts about it. And then she got asked if she could get up and she could do debut. And she did. She got up and she almost like started twerking kind of thing. And everyone just erupted into laughter. I erupted into laughter. I thought it was just so funny the expectation versus reality in that situation it was just so good um and then yeah some of the speeches i really loved daniel kaluuya's um speech where he talked about his parents having sex um thank you for that which was just so funny and such a weird thing to say um but it was a really funny moment um and then yunya jung's speech as well i thought was just just very funny very chill very relaxed you have some speeches that are just so proper and their speeches were just so raw. And, and that's what I love. I, I love seeing that. I, I don't like, I, I, let's say if it was me, I wouldn't want to have a speech prepared because I also don't want yeah. to have that on me being like, oh, well, I, I'm going to win this. So I should have something yeah. prepared. Yeah. In that moment, I want to be like uh, uh, fruitcake. I want it to be nerve wracking because I couldn't believe that I've just won this thing. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed some of the speeches. Um, loved also hearing about what Tyler Perry um, yeah, did for that winning was a the real humanitarian award. That, yeah, that for really, sure. Yeah, I think I was listening. <laughs> there were points during the the ceremony where I was playing through speakers and Fran was listening, and there were points where I was listening to my headphones, and I was listening to my headphones doing the dishes at this point, and I remember saying out loud, "Like, wow, that's an Oscars moment." Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Tyler Perry's humanitarian award speech, uh, which I encourage people to go and I'm sure it's on YouTube. Just he was speaking about not hating not hating anyone and and the power of not accepting hate that was a real highlight for me yep totally agree totally agree um and also i guess the other thing that made the oscars feel weird is that it was just done in uh a union station in la yeah uh it wasn't in a traditional theaterette kind of thing it was um so yeah it did it did it definitely had a different vibe to it um and yeah my comment on the lowest viewing of the 9.85 mil um i'm interested if it's kind of just been cancelled you know there's been so much behind oscars in the past few years and the academy and the board and everything that's been going on with diversity um and all of those claims and i'm just wondering if people just really don't care about it anymore maybe it's not the pinnacle of acting anymore which it has been for such a long time um so yeah there's a i guess there's a lot of pressure still um for actors and movies and things but also i gotta say one more comment on the oscars i think a lot of these movies wouldn't have got the same reception that they did if covid hadn't happened i think Mm. a lot of these movies were fortunate enough that there weren't bigger movies that were being able to be created so i feel like diversity wise there were a lot of these smaller movies and productions were able to be uh seen in this frame of light um so yeah i I mean look whether that's true that's just that's just my opinion i feel like they got uh, a good opportunity this year and and got eyes on them for sure in movies at least yeah the oscars are weird um (laughs) and that it doesn't necessarily recognize uh the films that people enjoyed the most yeah uh, the classic yeah. kind of narrative is that people don't watch the films nominated for best picture because they're kind of critically acclaimed and true and some years you'll get these big films that people have seen like 1917 or i guess la la land like films that are more crowd pleasing but for the most part best picture nominees tend to be more like art house uh yeah. critically acclaimed rather than uh public acclaim and I guess there's another weird thing about the Oscars, which all the films get released at different points. Sound of Metal was released in 2019. 
yeah. first released yeah, then yeah, and then only put online like a year later in I think December 2020. Obviously here in New Zealand, Promising Young Woman was released um, I think months ago, maybe six months ago, whereas The Father and Minari and Nomadland have only come to cinemas recently and it makes a difference to the Oscars. They talk about the momentum and having to kind of advocate for your, your film. And often actors have talked about how they hate that. They don't want to have to you know, do interviews to simply try and hype up the film. So it wins Oscars award. Yeah, I mean, true. La La Land's a great example. La La Land came out massive, positive reception. People loved it. And then it was out for long enough that the reception died. And actually there started being counterculture backlash, uh, about it so the momentum of these films matters which is just it's silly it should just be uh, people should vote based on the the nature of the films the themselves art. but that's not the way that that the the oscars works yeah. at, at yeah. all and you're absolutely right the fact that covid um was over the last year obviously played a massive part and why would you bother watching the oscars if you haven't seen any of the films it's not that interesting in and of yeah. itself it's just so people true. accepting awards for films you haven't seen and especially this year because there weren't any skits like a-list celebrities doing things that is funny to that any were funny yeah yeah true. it was probably a good year to to not watch it ironically yeah, you and i yeah, having, a good point. having yeah, gone yeah. to gone to <laughs> six for the age of them um yeah, yeah, let, yeah. let's move into discussing yeah let's the, try the and let's try and nominees. whip through it eh? let's whip through it um let's talk about the the two films that we each saw that the other person didn't yes. get a quick fill in. And then we mm-hmm. can talk about the four that we, we both saw. Um, Lovely. So oh, I, s- oh, you want to go first? No, no, you, no, no, you go first. No, 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 that's no, no, you go first. Okay. I'll go first. Uh, yeah. I'm going to start it off with Nomadland because Nomadland's the most recent one that I saw. Yes. Um, and obviously the winner. Um, yeah, look, it was, it was a great film, but it's not my type of film. Um, and I, I did really enjoy it and I thought in its, in and itself, it is amazing. And I still rated it very high. I gave it a very big rating. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it was necessarily, um, Oscar winner uh, in my, in my opinion, but I think that's because of the outset of what, how I thought about the movie anyway. Um, yeah, basically follows a, a woman who, um, uh, pretty much loses everything. Um, and she becomes a nomad and she starts driving around in her van in search for other people that are doing the same and really just trying to get through life. Um, and Frances McDormand does a beautiful job playing this character, Fern, um, and just her, you know, her, her personality and her little intricacies of, of, a, of a character is, is really great. Um, and it visually, the story, it looks amazing. Um, so yeah, I think definitely, uh, uh, you know, it's obviously won the best picture. So do, do definitely see it. Um, but yeah, I think you'll definitely, it's definitely a movie that makes you feel something in an aspect of life that a lot of us may have not felt before. It's one of those stories. And I think, I think a lot of these, these big, um, you know, Oscar movies do exactly that. They're parts of life that is really on the outside. It's, it's the minority you know, um, of, of people in these situations and Nomadland does a very effective way in seeing the, it was very raw, you know, it was a very raw feeling for that movie, the way that it was shot and acted. And it's a classic journey film, right? Exactly. I haven't seen it, but it it is a trope of a, of journey film going through different locations. Uh, I think green book is another example of Mm -hmm. kind of a like journey film, like movement is a key part of the story. Um, I did learn, recently that uh the people 
in Nomadland, other than Francis McDormand, are actually uh, nomads. Nomads. So yeah. an interesting yeah. creative choice there of of an actor playing a character with people that are actually nomads. So yep. a, an interesting yep. uh, encapsulation of real people living a real different lifestyle. Um, it doesn't surprise me that you for you to say that it's not your type of film yeah for no second did i think that you would predict it yeah. even just based on what i knew about about the film doesn't mean it wasn't deserving but no, that, that no. doesn't surprise me at all and when after best picture was announced and matt messaged me going interesting dot, 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 i was like <laughs> i knew there's no yeah, way yeah, no way yeah. you, you would yeah. but i do want to see it because yeah. i'm i know it, it must be a beautiful yeah. uh, a beautiful film yeah and i did i did rate it a nine as well people mm. like i said I, I i definitely think it's a it's a beautiful film it's just not my type of film but i would definitely still recommend it and put it in the nines and nine and do you want to go straight into into mank? oh yeah, yeah i'll go into mank yeah, yeah i'll go into mank um yeah mank once again uh, a movie trying to really go in one direction um, and that is uh, 1940s, I believe. 1930s. 30s and 40s? Oh, fruitcake, I can't remember. Anyway, it's a story about... Uh, man, I can't remember his whole name. Mank, Mankiewicz. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Anyway, uh, it's about the writers of um, Citizen Kane. Um, Orwell... Something... Orwell? George Orwell? George Orwell? Uh, oh god I can't remember I, that's either his first name animal or his farm, name. right yeah yes 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 yes, yes. Yeah, you exactly. talk and I'll look it up <laughs> yeah yeah thank you thank you thank you um, it's, a, it's a story about um, Mank Mankiewicz uh, and basically his life um, and the whole movie kind of goes in and out of like flashbacks so it starts at a particular point of him trying to write the script uh, for a movie he's he's a he's a, a screenwriter a screenplay writer um, for these big organized uh big organizations in hollywood and yeah it just follows his story like you know he's not a great man <laughs> um and that's pretty much evident through the thing but he's he's trying to do the right thing but just kind of in the wrong ways um but he does end up writing um the screenplay for citizen kane and citizen kane does win the oscar for it um as well citizen kane as we all know is a, a, a massive a critically acclaimed movie uh, back in the only day. won one oscar though and mank won two yes so Talk about the irony amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, true, um, but yeah, uh, it's my problem with Mank is that it's in black and white, right? So the whole yep. movie is in black and white because it's just trying to do a period thing. But for me, and this is a choice, you know, it's David Fincher. So David Fincher does like making big cinematography, you know, effects with his movies. Um, quite so like they did black and white, right? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he did Seven, and Seven has a lot of hue to it in its colour and gives it a potential feel and style of warmth to that whole entire film. Um, and uh, and A Fight Club, I believe, as well. Same thing. This kind of kind of hue and feel to that, those movies. Um, and Mank, just, yeah, straight black and white. It was having the burns in the top corner, which you get for, with film reel as well. Um, fade-ins and fade-outs, very... Um, uh, uh, of time of period but my problem is is that it, it it was the movie looked so good if that makes sense like the film quality 
and the look of that movie was so clean and pristine that watching it in black and white, it didn't feel like it was really doing its job. Right. So, I mean, if I, this is what I said. If you're going to go in one direction, you've kind of got to go the full hog and have that kind of grainy film grit to it. But it just felt really clean. I, I was watching it and I'm like, I, I kind of wish it was just in, in, in colour and yep. they were just doing a period thing. But I can understand the choice in their cinematography on why they went black and white. But for me, they didn't go far enough over the boat. Um, but yeah, very, very good in the sense of they were doing, you know, uh, lights during the movie would fade out on set as the as it faded out into another scene. Typewriters for flashbacks. It, it, it was very effective. Um, but yeah, I definitely think... Um, oh, I forget the actor's name. Um... Gary Oldman? That's it, Gary Oldman. Yeah, I, he was definitely the best performer uh, of that whole movie. Right. Uh, and right. to be honest, I think um, Lily Collins being shunned for best supporting actress instead of Amanda um, Seyfried. Seyfried. Um, I, I thought was I thought Lily Collins did a better job in that movie than Amanda did. So, mm. yeah, but Amanda being nominated, I was a bit like, eh, I didn't really like her character didn't really like her acting in that movie but that's my opinion guys as i always say i thought lily collins did a better job throughout that whole movie i mean this is all completely subjective uh overarching yeah it's interesting the way that you broke down both of those films are probably what i expected you to say and i think probably what i would have felt but interesting to hear you speak to the black and white and how that related to the rest of it yeah um, i looked it up orson wells is the writer orson wells yes orson the writer. Wells. um and if i'm honest when it came down when push came to shove and i hadn't seen sound of metal nomadland and mank at the end i was more interested in watching sound of metal than the nice. other two and good frankly choice, the choice. way that you've described those two i mean yeah. I, I wish i yeah. had seen all eight and i will yeah. watch nomadland but neither of them particularly grabbed me from a story perspective and yeah, I'm, I, get I'm, you. I I probably won't watch Mank to be honest I'm no. willing to watch Nomadland yeah. and be convinced uh, of the beauty of, of the story if that makes sense yeah that makes sense uh, I put Mank at a 7.9 nice so Bruce still pretty highly rated still pretty high still pretty yeah. high yeah I just it's uh, just film choices for me yeah. just film choices yeah. Um, I should say I, I didn't actually rank the films and I thought about uh, trying to do it while enough. while you I mean I may hierarchy them but I didn't score them out of 10 <laughs> yeah nice, um, nice, nice the two that I saw that you didn't saw you didn't see were Minari and Promising Young Woman and I saw both of those back to back I think nice. I mentioned on another yes, podcast yes. Uh, another episode that that's what I'd done um, went to see Minari with mum and dad uh, not mum and dad it was just me and mum um yeah, very weird cinema experience in that they gave us tickets for the film with the wrong cinema on it. So what? I missed the first 20 minutes. No, were you sitting yeah. in the wrong cinema? So we were sitting in the wrong cinema. What? It wasn't our fault that we went to the cinema and set on the tickets. And for 10 minutes we sat there and nothing came on the screen. And mum was like, oh, they do this. I won't say which cinema we were at. They said, oh, we've, they've done this in the past. Someone needs to go down and tell them to like start the reel going. And I almost got to the point of that and then it came on. And so then we sat through 10 minutes of ads and then five minutes into the film, maybe not even that, maybe two minutes, mum goes, this is the film. Some other, some other film that was out that wasn't a Best Picture nomination. She was like, we're in the wrong cinema. I was like, what? <laughs> so annoying. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if Mum's going to listen to this. But she was pissed <laughs> off, and rightly so. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, because it was completely not our fault at all. Um, and anyway, so we, we found the right cinema, and we'd missed the first 20 minutes, which was a bit of a bit annoying. But also, on the flip side, quite nice to not see the start of a film and just kind of have to be what's chucked happening? into what's happening. And it was Minari, <laughs> so uh, we didn't really miss that much of the plot, because Minari is kind of a slice-of-life film. Yeah, I get Thankfully, you. I think there were, would have been other films where missing the first 20 minutes would have been diabolical. Where am I? Um, I love Minari. It was so beautiful, and I would definitely recommend that you, you watch it. Um, yeah, just a slice of life about a Korean uh, immigrant family moving uh, from California to, I think, Oklahoma with the, the main character, played very well by Stephen Yeun trying to set up a farm and grow Korean vegetables uh, as their way of, of kind of making their way in the, in the American economy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful film, really well shot. Uh, I'd say quite a cute film. It really revolves around only five, five characters, uh, Stephen Ewan's character and his wife and their two kids and uh, the wife's mother who was played uh, by by Yun that, that, yeah, Jung. Um, and the, the the people that steal the movie are the grandma and the the son, <laughs> nice. played by I believe his name's Alan Kin, who I think is eight years old. Their relationship alone is worth watching the film because it's just it was it, was, it makes you giggle like a, <laughs> and and it's crazy the ability of a young actor and an, an older actor to just have this relationship. Yeah, um, and you'll watch it. And I'm sure if you see it, you would go, oh yeah, she deserved it. Because it was just such a brilliant performance. And also a film that is probably like 50-50 in terms of English and, and Korean. Um, and one of the things that I learned after researching the film was that Stephen Yoon actually t- was not a native Korean speaker before the film. So his wow. dialect is all learnt. And people wow. were saying in the reddit threads and such that he he's like 99 percent of the way there like it's an incredible replication of a language and a dialect that most people would just watch and presume like oh this is an american actor who is korean and speaks korean has made a film but that's not actually actually the case um incredibly sad maybe on par with the father almost the father mike pepper in terms of the f- moments in the film where you just feel devastated for some of the characters. And I don't think that's, that's a spoiler. It's a, it's a immigration s- people struggling in America type story, but I really, really enjoyed it and would definitely recommend that, that people, that people go and watch it. Um, but it is very much a slice of life. It's not a beginning end. The story resolves. It's about people in space, uh, living their lives. Um, so really enjoyed that. 10 minute break and then into promising young woman which is a completely different film i saw it with fran <laughs> mum went home um yeah promising young woman i would say is the most i don't want to say like pop culture young person-y of the best picture nominees but it, it kind of was it's um, most contemporary right the most contemporary um and i would say it really subverted uh, expectations um what you expect from the trailer is not actually where the movie goes. Mm. And again, you haven't seen these films, so I don't want to spoil anything, but 
what the film suggests the movie is going to be about, it isn't necessarily about that. What I will say is that the movie revolves around conversations of uh, sexual assault, um, uh, culture of of rape and uh, problematic toxic masculinity, things that we've talked about on the show. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but I think it's a film that everyone should see. And that's not something I would say about all all the films in this category. Like if, mm, if mm, a young person mm. or you know someone our age was to ask me on the street, which of these films should I see? I would have a tough time not saying Promising Young Woman because I think it's the most necessary in 2021 in terms yeah, of the films and the themes and the topic. Um, and it probably prompted the most conversation leaving the cinema. Like Fran and I went home and had a, like an hour conversation about the film and what it was portraying and the way that it re- interacts with, with society. Um, I think it's probably the most... I, I wrote down some unofficial awards. I think it's probably going to be the most rewatchable. I would watch that film again. I wouldn't rewatch Minari because Minari mm-hmm. was kind of that slice of knife one narrative. But I think Promising Young Woman is so provocative and because it feels contemporary in the way it's shot, uh, it kind of has that young person's energy, yep. but just like shocking narrative and, and commentary about, about society. So I definitely recommend to you and to everyone else to watch it. And it's the kind of film that we might do a whole podcast reacting to the stuff that are addressed. But some really brilliant... Uh, casting in the film which again I won't comment on until you've seen it because the whole vibe <laughs> the whole vibe okay. of the film was about okay. subverting uh, expectations and yeah. Carrie Mulligan was brilliant I don't think she deserved to win uh, Best Actress for it but she was was really really good in that role um, nice. Nice. of the, the four yes we've got four to go four, people four which to of go. the four do you think we have least to talk about um, least to talk about yeah should we um, hit should we hit Chicago 7 and Judas and the Jack yeah. uh, to- Ju- yeah. Judas and the Jack Judas no, and the Jack uh, no, totally agree yeah Trial of Chicago 7 so Trial of Chicago 7 a Netflix released film uh, quite heavily advertised I would say on YouTube yeah, and definitely and I feel like I, I, I didn't watch it for a long time because of how heavily it had been advertised to me mm-hmm. um, in the end I would say, I mean it didn't win any awards no, it was the it only best picture nominated film one. to not win any awards kind of classic Aaron Sorkin uh, yep. we're talking um, uh, what's West Wing social network he knows how to write he knows how to write dialogue which is both natural dialogue like this is the way that people talk yep. intellectual conversations and also people don't talk the way that he yep. talked in real life and yep. he said in interviews that I watched all of all the, the majority of the words that were used in the film were said by the, the real life characters um completely jumped the gun trial of chicago seven was about a uh a a kind of i don't want to say well i guess it was an instrumental uh a court case where seven slash eight uh people were put on trial for engaging in an anti-vietnam war protest uh the 1968 democratic national convention in chicago um and yeah it's a it's very much a legal drama which i know some people like and some people don't i tend to really like legal dramas mm. i think there's something mm. kind of easily lovable about them um but yeah it, based on real events uh a very strong ensemble cast such baron cohen uh eddie redmayne uh joseph gordon levitt could go on but it's a cast loaded full of 
very very successful actors um i enjoyed it the one thing that i will come back to and i'll let you have your say is that i watched half of it on netflix decided that we would continue the next night because we were getting too tired went and watched judas and the black messiah the next day and then came back to the trial of chicago (laughs) seven which was something that really really benefited my viewing experience um but I'll, I'll explain why afterwards. What did you think about this film? I enjoyed it generally. Yes, yeah, no, it's exactly the same. I enjoyed it generally. I think, yeah, that on the ensemble, the cast, um, was really strong, and I think that's something that made me gravitate towards it, and I put it on my watch list, but like you said, I had it on my watch list for quite a long time, um, and I just hadn't got to it yet. But I think no one really outshone anyone throughout that whole yeah. movie, um, and I think that can be to its advantage, but also its detriment as well. Um, it was really, obviously, you know, seven characters, like strong characters. It had to be split between all of them because it's about their story. Um, so ensemble piece, amazing. Um, and I thought it, I thought that was really well done. Um, yeah, the, the editing of it and, and things like that, it had a really nice flow to it. And I think that's why I enjoyed the movie. It just flowed really well. Some legal dramas I feel like can really drag on sometimes, but I felt like this one had a really good pace to it and just trying to get through it. Um, But the movie made me really hate getting to the court scenes. Um, And obviously that was because we weren't meant to like those scenes. They weren't weren't quite right. Um, So yeah, I thought it did a really good job in telling the story outside of the court um, and then making us feel a certain thing when we were in the court cases with these people and that their story and what they were trying to do um and you know the whole if the system kind of thing so yeah i did enjoy the movie um but yeah it's uh, it wasn't my favorite i ranked it an 8.7 though so still very high yeah i really enjoyed learning i like movies about history things yeah. that i yeah. don't know and fascinating trial shone light on the corruption within the american legal system um yeah, I would definitely say to people, go go and watch it, but it also wasn't my favourite of the Best Picture films. What was really interesting, and we can segue into Judas the Black Messiah, is that there's a character in both of these films, uh, Fred Hampton, who was yes, sort of yes. the focus, or one of the two focuses of Judas and the Black Messiah, as a character, is in the Trial of the Chicago 7. To watch the first half of Trial of the Chicago 7 be introduced to Fred Hampton sort of as a minor character then go and watch a whole two-hour film about him and then return to the film uh, later on was was something that's never happened to me in Random. film before, but it was this weird <laughs> tangent. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, I mean, I know you said before that you didn't enjoy it as much as some other films. I really enjoyed Judas and the Black Messiah. Nice. I thought, uh, but again, maybe I'm a sucker for historical films. I thought Daniel Kaluuya's performance was was captivating, how much of that again we've talked about in this past how much of it was kept captivating because i know he's british and he was so captivating in such a an american role um but yeah that tells the story of of fred hampton who was the the leader of excuse me uh the chicago uh illinois chapter of the black panther party in and around the same time as the trial of Chicago sim was going on. So really fascinating to see two films both yeah. on a similar period of American uh, culture. What have I, what have I written about, about Judas the Black Messiah? It definitely a film where I left the cinema feeling like, uh, I don't know, not inspired, but kind of like enraged and, and oh, I was and so enraged about stuff. Mm. Um, 
and obviously being based on on a true story, a really interesting study of heroes and anti-heroes, like uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character yeah. is kind of a problematic figure within uh, that narrative, which I thought was, was fascinating. And, and often these historical films get made about people who blur the lines between good people and bad people and getting mm. sucked into mm. history. Um, I should say that I gave Chicago 7 the best ensemble award and I give Judas and the Black Messiah the, the most memorable line award because Daniel Kaluuya yelling, I am um, a revolutionary is yeah. just phew, yeah. power, powerful stuff. But but tell me your thoughts. Didn't... Yeah. No. I, I, yeah, I'll shut yeah. up. No, no. So for, for me, it was... Um, that movie was all about the pacing once again. I really enjoy pacing in a film in the sense of I don't like... I don't feel like I want to check my phone like it really just takes me the whole way through. That's how I kind of gauge a movie feel, whether I'm just so captivated in what's going on, I need to stay with it. But I, not that I checked my phone in the cinema with this movie, but I felt the movie was just going up and down so much and it didn't really have a nice, like really good pace to it or ramp up to it. Um, I mean, obviously the end ramps up very heavily and I left that cinema, as you said, very it just enraged and sick. Um, because our history is just absolutely just messed up, um, and that that happening and just just all of it. And I think that's obviously that's why I did enjoy the movie. The message that it was trying to do, it did it very well. But for me, I it just didn't feel it didn't feel right. I think everything outside of all the Black Panther stuff didn't feel like it was in the right places for the movie as a whole, as a narrative. Um, But obviously it is based on historical events. So that is the narrative itself, you know? Um, But yeah, I I must say, I did really enjoy Lakeith and and that whole story on who that character was and what happened to him at the end and what he did to himself. I was just like, I completely understand why that happened. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, So yeah, no, I did. I did enjoy the movie, but once again with all of these other ones surrounding it i enjoyed others more mm-hmm. and your rating uh, i was an 8.3 8.3, 8.3. Yeah, so i mean so these are all I, great films They're no exactly films. so i did it i did enjoy it less than trial of chicago 7 um but i did put it above mank mm-hmm. but it is my second lowest rating in the movies i saw yes um but that brings us to the final the final two sound of metal and the father which i'm oh. guessing were your two favorite films two favorites man um, they were amazing yeah interesting that these were the first and the last of the six films i watched the father was the first sound of metal was the last on the eve of the oscars um and i i enjoyed sound of metal i think potentially as a product of the mood I was in at the time, I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. Mm-hmm. I was in Martinborough. We'd driven back that day. We watched the documentary, the octopus documentary, then an episode of MasterChef and then watched Sound of Metal. <laughs> so perhaps didn't have its best viewing experience yep. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a brilliant movie. And in a similar way to The Father, interestingly, shines a light on... Uh, I guess physical ailment mm, and true. yeah the the story focuses on uh Riz Ahmed's uh character losing losing his hearing and again it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer like very clearly on that's established uh he's a metal drummer and his coming to grips with what life is like um as he is significantly deaf was such a uh, just a impactful impactful premise we've talked about those kind of physical uh ailments on the show in the past and what was so brilliant about the film was the combination of 
Riz Ahmed, uh, Paul Ratchie, and other characters who combined speaking English and sign language during mm. the film with the way that the film was edited so that we, the audience, shared what characters in the film were listening to and what they were hearing, whether it be uh, normal dialogue with fully functional ears or how dialogue sounds when you are deaf or what was going on in the room where people were speaking and signing i mean a masterful job of creating that oral environment so i did really really enjoy it i thought riz ahmed's performance was was brilliant uh he's a fantastic actor and he will win an oscar eventually um but yeah, I think probably I didn't help myself by when I watched it and the energy that I watched it with. But yeah. but you you clearly absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I loved it. And for me, it spoke a lot because I watched it here by myself, but I actually watched it at the same time as mum. We botched, we, we pressed play at the same time respectively in our own houses. Um, we wanted to watch it together. Um, for me and mum, uh, my uncle, my mother's brother is deaf. Uh, and I grew up in the deaf community uh, around my uncle and I learnt New Zealand Sign Language while I was at uni uh, and was brought up with it so to see ASL in an Oscar nominated film that heavily meant a lot to us like it really did just that representation of the deaf community and and what what that way of life is like uh, really spoke to me and my mum and that's why we loved it so much, obviously, because we have such a connection with the themes of that movie. Um, but also, I just feel like they portrayed it so well. Um, Paul Ratchie, the, um, the, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, um, who kind of plays his mentor through the film. Um, he is uh, hearing with deaf parents. Um, so he so so he can hear but he obviously learnt um, and was brought up with ASL with his family in that community um, but for him and his film he's obviously uh, it's not really much of a spoiler but he's portraying being deaf but he's you know signing and lip reading which is one of the skills to, to have when, when you're deaf in ASL is to lip read and just the, the way that was betrayed and like you said the sound editing with, with just really just really making you uncomfortable in the world that these people live in but also making you feel like this is just their way of life and they're just getting on with it you know as that they've they've kind of got to um another uh, my favorite my favorite moment in the film is him saying it to Rizami's character when when they meet um as a part of that mentorship is we're not here to fix this and he points to his ears we're here to fix this and he points to the mind and that just made me feel so many things and appreciate the rest of the movie because because that's that's what it is as a deaf person we're not here to necessarily try and fix our ailment we're here to try and fix our mind in the sense of just come to terms with it and accept it and know that there is another way of life and living with it and that being sign language asl new zealand uh nzsl um so yeah i really appreciate the film a lot a, a, a lot but um it, it wasn't my favorite but I think I give the most appreciation to it in the sense of bringing those kind of themes and diversity into that world of theatre, of film. Yeah. And without, again, in a similar way to Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal with a narrative does a great job of avoiding tropes. I don't know about you, but multiple moments during the film where our expectation of what narratives are tell us that certain things are going to happen and then they just don't. True. So true. Yeah, we don't need to 
go on the specifics because obviously if you haven't watched it we encourage you to watch it yeah um, please but yeah it was a, so nice to watch a film where where things just just happened and the yep. film just continued yep. and it wasn't about plot twists or you know it was about that character's yep. uh, experience great story arc as well Rizami yep. and and the way that he did, p- portrayed that character it, it was brilliant absolutely yep. brilliant yeah um i gave it a 9.3 big score yep big score but um there's one more film yet to there come. is there is and that was the father uh florian zeller's play uh anthony hopkins uh in uh, i i guess the i don't want to say the title character but it's a, it's a story about anthony hopkins character who um is is coming to terms with with dementia um alzheimer's there's lots of different words i know alzheimer's is is uh i think a specific one within dementia as a category or the other way around the same way that um a square is a rectangle but a rectangle is not always a square that kind of thing but it, it deals with with loss of of memory and understanding what's going on and it's almost almost a thriller it's a psychological oh it's thriller. a psychological that's exact it's a, it's i walked out of that film man and i was like that is a psychological thriller because it is it's scary yeah because we see the film through multiple characters perspectives and as anthony hopkins character um who's also called anthony which I was watching and I was like, mm, what? Um, I don't know if it's Anthony in, in the play. I presume so. So maybe just Isn't chance Anthony? casting. Anthony? Anthony. Yeah, it wasn't Anthony. Well, to, tomato, yeah. tomato. Pick, pick nuts. Um, <laughs> but because his character has a different understanding of reality than the other characters, we as the audience go on this journey of, of we don't know what's happening as, yeah. as, yeah. as the audience. It's expectation, um, expectation versus reality expectation versus that, that's how reality. i felt like with that movie and it was fascinating that it comes from a play because to me it made most sense it made so much sense as a film because yep. the art of filmmaking we see everything from different perspectives from the perspective of a character pov shots wide shots close-ups and this is a story about different people's different people's perspectives on what reality is and particularly anthony hopkins as he's dealing with dementia his understanding of reality shifting mm. and and man uh, so scary it's oh, so, yeah. so, so so scary and i guess that's why it's in a similar character category to the sound of metal because it explores what life is like for for people that get yep. affected affected by different conditions um and man i just i i cried at some point i don't know if it was yeah. the end but near yeah the i end, cried at the it end was, yeah. it was so so sad and i, I yeah yeah I don't want to spoil any any of these films specifically, but but yeah, it was just a film that at the end of it, I felt so overcome with with hopelessness and mm. the desperation of the situation. And this brings us back to to Anthony Hopkins win as as best actor. I haven't seen all of his films, but it's hard for me to think that any of his performances are better than that because he is brilliant. That is monumental, brilliant. Yeah. Just the the micro movements in his face the way he reacts to things you really think you're watching someone who has dementia try and grapple with the world that's going on around him um yeah it, it was my it was my favorite film yeah after i came out of it having seen the first one i was like good luck to any of the other seven and interesting <laughs> that it, it stayed my my favorite film mm. i would love to see the play 
I know that Florian Zeller's yep. other play, The Sun, is being adapted yes, uh, into, it is. into a film. And yep. I saw that play in the West End, and I'm fascinated to see how that will be adapted to to film. But, man, it was just just an incredible film. The one yep. that I would say to, to people, if you can only see one, it would be between this and Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman from a, a societal conversation perspective, but the best two hours of film that i saw was the father yeah totally agree i totally agree with all of it It, it's yeah i left that movie feeling a whole bunch of different things and i and you and you said that point that's why i found father and sound of metal so effective because yeah you can have these movies that take you on a journey but these two movies just completely took me on a journey throughout all of my senses you know uh, my mind, what I was hearing, what I was believing—that's uh, 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 that's why it was so effective to me. And I think that's what I've come to terms with. What I enjoy in movies and theater is assaulting my senses and mm-hmm. making me feel something that I have not felt in in that type of manner in a film or on stage. Um, it, it was so effective in what it was doing. And yeah, I was I was amazed at the at, like I said that that expectation versus reality with with um, what they were trying to convey with Alzheimer's and and that feeling of that uh, was yeah like you said so sad <laughs> it was so sad. Um, so yeah, definitely take the time to watch the father because um, I've given it a nine point six. Oh, and that's high, and that's high definitely but i think it's done it's done an amazing job and yeah like you said man it's made me it's made me want to see the theater show um and it's also given me a lot of ideas and concepts on how i want an audience to feel leaving something so yeah love it yeah perspectives playing with the audience yeah uh, understanding of what's going on narratively was yeah. certainly uh, incredibly challenging to to an audience. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about in reaction to the Oscars. Um, obviously, our, our parents are not not as old as Anthony Hopkins' character, but if you went to see that film as an eighty year old, it's, a hor- it's literally oh, a horror movie. Totally, it's totally. a horror because yeah, this well, is it, a, yeah, it could it, happen to you type story. Yeah, it makes me. I, I it definitely made me feel about my grandma at the moment. I mean, she's she hasn't got dementia or Alzheimer's, um, but just that old age and what it, and what and what the brain starts doing to you um, is freaky. So it definitely made me and my mum think about uh, yeah, my my grandparents for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I've spoken about it on the podcast, but my great uncle, who's no longer alive, Morris Mason, he he had dementia mm. in his last couple of years, and it was just yeah, so sad. He could remember his uh, his wife, um, and knew that he knew mum and mum's sister. There was an aspect of of when they would visit him, he would know that it mm. was someone important to him, mm. but someone like me just no no idea. So wow. it'd be the constant like this is this is james you know james from this um and yeah just an incredibly 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 difficult uh con- condition to, to have to go through but for sure in a similar way to the sound of metal it was breathtakingly devastating but, yep. but without being such a, a sad film that at the end of it you you feel like you're you didn't gain anything from it. It was oh, for sure. Ma- it was masterful it, in the way that yeah. it was was written, and the other performances. I thought Olivia Coleman was great. I thought Mark Gaddis was 
shockingly creepy in his, in his role but <laughs> yeah, yeah true. I, I think we're both on the same page in that we both came out of the father and messaged each other at the same time going <laughs> wow wow and, and and that is i guess the most succinct way of, of summing up um what we thought um we're well over two hours oh we, we are well over time we still appreciate well you for being here if yeah. you have split this into yeah. two lessons yeah. even three yeah. lessons we understand yeah i mean we could release it in two parts but what's the nah. it's still it's still the same thing nah, give um, the people what they want give the people what give they want people what they want give them what they want or what they don't want they want um, more my closing thoughts uh, I really enjoyed going out and watching so many of the best pictures so of my films yep. it is something I will try and do next year yep. I felt more in tune with uh, this year's the last 12 months film process it was beautiful to see the variation of films that get nominated yep. for yep. Uh, best picture I, I did a quick write of I was sort of, and this is very, very crude, uh, the movie about Alzheimer's sort of versus the film about sexual assault, culture and problematic uh, toxic masculinity within society versus an American immigrant story versus uh, a, a film about the American race history versus an American legal history movie versus a film all about deafness uh versus i mean these are the two that i didn't see but nomadland as a as a community of people that often aren't spoken about versus mank which was kind of an homage to a certain period of time such different films and only when you see so many of them in such close amount of time do you realize sort of the the breadth of of topics that great films can be can be made about definitely going to try and do it again last year the Oscar ceremony itself was whack um i was stoked <laughs> I by even. how many films that i predicted i yeah. i didn't I oh, yeah. what was just, your score in the end i don't know man i i, I if i tick the, if i count them up one two three four five six seven seven and two halves so i guess eight and i think i predicted one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven so eight out of eleven Eight out of eleven. I think. I think. Wow. Okay. I did uh, eight. I also got eight out of ones that I had predictions for. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eight out of ten. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Soul is five. Uh, Close out six. Max seven. Soul eight. No. Oh, I haven't counted up. I haven't counted up correctly. But the percentage might be the same. One, two, Did you three, get four, nine? five. Uh, no, I think I got one. Let me count up. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It. It's the longest podcast we've ever done. I'll just bloody count. Uh, I got original screenplay right, adaptive screenplay right, uh, sound correct, music correct, visual effects correct, uh, directing correct, cinematography correct, animated feature correct, actor in a supporting role correct, correct and then... Uh, two half marks gives me nine out of one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen so nine out of fourteen versus okay. eight out of eight 10. out of ten so i did 80 so, percent yeah so i think i think from an accuracy perspective you 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 got it sir Wee. but i think we, we both did we both did quite quite well which i guess yes. maybe reflects if you actually watch the movies you have a decent sense of what what happened yeah true true and i think like uh, uh, and one thing we'll always say this is our opinion yeah everyone likes different stuff 
for sure so yeah i mean it, it's it's completely interesting going to these critically acclaimed movies and and it's interesting the ones you enjoy and the ones you don't enjoy um but you can appreciate the craft and why it is where it is i think sure. that's where it really comes down to you can appreciate art and you can appreciate skill and talent um but we all have our own opinions about what we actually want in a film or any really creative thing um but yeah th- look this was a lot of fun we it was a lot we, of fun we were really looking forward to when when james pitched the idea of us watching all of these movies and getting out we tried to do our best to get to all of them but the fact that we at least covered all of those best pictures um pretty stoked with so look as i said if you're still here listening two hours later and you've been like yeah i'm gonna watch these movies now then we've done our job uh, we are here to just inform you of the things that we'd love and give you a little taster of what's going on in the entertainment industry at the moment, and that being the Oscars, the, the, the apparently biggest thing you can accomplish, even though that isn't very evident in the viewing this year. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of factors to that. There is a lot of factors to that. It's a lot of countries suffering with COVID, uh, a lot of countries going back in with COVID as well. So as we always say, if you're not in New Zealand and you're one of our overseas listeners, I hope you're doing well hope you're staying safe um and vaccine rollouts and everyone's just doing their part so we are always thinking of you over there um and for everyone in new zealand look keep an eye on keep keep an eye out keep an eye out because we've got to appreciate what we've got so once again thank you snaps to that um before we close out there's one more ranking to be done yes for the episode um i'll go first the mm-hmm. nz pilsner fusion by Juicehead. uh i enjoyed it I enjoyed it. Uh, not the best beer I've had. I would say I've enjoyed it more than some of the more weird ones I've had. Okay. Uh, I would describe this beer as being being refreshing without being too sweet. Mm. Um, I, I would drink it again, certainly. I, I think this is the case with pills now. I tend to enjoy them and I don't know why I enjoy them. Maybe they're slightly more crisp than an IPA, but IPA can be more sort of fruity. Anyway, I'm going to give it a score of 7.5, which I believe is my third highest score of the six, so smack bang in the middle. 7.5, would drink it, and would recommend it. Nice. Yeah, my um, my uh, Rocket Ajax or Ajax, however you would like to pronounce it. Um, very good. Yeah, it's um, it's very close to a double IPA, um, in the sense of it's hoppy, but it's got a re- a lot of citrus notes to it and towards that hazy. So it's really a taste a West Coast IPA, a com- a combination of. Um, a, a hazy and a double IPA for me, which is uh, I those are my two favorite beers. Um, so to be honest, it's not as good as um, the Pernicious Weed for me. That is still my favorite double IPA and uh, best score um, so far in in this <laughs> ranking system. But I would probably give this beer. A, a, it's pretty close. I, I would probably give it about a, a an eight point eight point two eight point two, which would be my third ranked beer. 8.2. Nice. Love it. Uh, we won't go on much longer than that. Uh, week <laughs> 6 of Brulette is a fail. The kitty is up to $24. 24. If you're still listening, good on you. If you've listened in one go, even more good on you. Oh, and well also, done. I'd love some notes on how you have 2 hours and 15 minutes of spare time in any given day. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. We hope that we have given you some insight into uh, yeah, the Oscars for this year and some of the great films that are out there. We should say Mank and Trial of Chicago 7 are on Netflix. The Sound True. of Metal can be found on Amazon Prime. Yes. The other five uh, 
have been cinema movies. Some are still available in New Zealand. Some are not. I imagine most of them will go on to streaming services. Um, most of them you can purchase online in some way. Um, thank you for listening, Matt. Thank you for this this sort of last tangent of the last four weeks. I've really no, really enjoyed you. it. I'm already looking forward to doing it next year. Yes. Uh, <laughs> over to you for very final thoughts, sir. Oh, my final my final thoughts is is exactly what you said. It's a combination of the last three weeks and us getting to these movies and appreciate um, appreciating art. Um, look, I have not seen this much movie in a short amount of uh, movies in a short amount of time, um, and it has really fueled my fire for films again. Yep. It really has. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, um, all of the other ones that are going to start coming out this year, and I'm definitely going to try and get into them. And I'm also going to. Um, Look, Netflix and streaming services are bumping out some sick movies. So I'm definitely going to keep my eye out on all of those and again, get some good ones for sure. Nice, nice. Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you again so much to everyone who's been listening to this episode and episodes past. Uh, it's been season two, episode 14 of the Bros and Bruce podcast. And Matt, all that is left to be said is we will see you next time. Peace. I'll be waiting for you to come around Hesitating with my feet stuck in the ground